I kind of like your idea of creating an alternate sport where Madison Bumgarner could be the whole team. I think it would put a lot of, uh, it would sell a lot of tickets. You know, I, maybe it's the whole like East coast baseball thing that we've talked about quite a bit on the show, but I feel like him getting the pinch hit that he got last night didn't really get like as much coverage as I would have expected it to. Again, like I, we've talked about this in the past, but I think baseball for some has has this weird, and, and I'm sure it's 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 warranted for like historical reasons. But recently, it just West Coast baseball doesn't get the respect it deserves, and really media, like I don't know, I hear on Sports Center and just most other things, like all about the Red Sox and other like very mediocre teams in terms of like performance over the past like five to ten years, and they're treated like they play like a true reform of the sport, or that the uh, AL East is the only thing that actually matters when most of the exciting stuff does happen on the West Coast, or at least is as equally important. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a star pitcher coming in for a surprise pinch hit appearance and then successfully getting that hit, and then not only that, but then coming around and scoring a run in a 2 nothing game would seem pretty headline-worthy. And I, I feel like I didn't really see anything. Nope, nobody cares. Hmm. Or, or sorry, not nobody cares, but it never gets the uh, respect it deserves, because uh, all the sports center anchors are much more eager to have you tweet their uh, tweet you your thoughts on the um, the sports center number one pick. What's the what's a hashtag for that? SC top ten. Oh, you actually know because it's on the left side of the screen all <laughs> day. Like I used to, I don't know. I still watch sports center because it's like it's better than like cable news. Like and like you know like when you want to have something on the background. I, yes, I'm very familiar with that. So, but like, I, I, I like it a lot less, but it's still, I can't think of anything that's less, like, awful. Because CNN's just a, a, a god awful mess. CNBC and, like, Bloomberg are only on during the daytime. So, I'm not, what, what am I going to watch? Yeah, most of what's on TV is just not very good. Cord cutting, man. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to come back to that. Not, yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Well, maybe tonight. We'll see. No, I don't think so. Well, so we, we should preface this by saying that um, so we're, we won't be recording uh, for the next three Wednesdays. This will be our lo- our longest break in a while. No, we're, we're hanging it up forever. <laughs> Wait, is this episode 50? Would this be a good place to stop? Uh, <laughs> we're okay. on episode. This will be episode 49, actually. Ah, uh, damn. Okay, we got to do it for another year. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't know. So we're recording this on August 19th. I don't know exactly when this will come out. I haven't really decided if we're going to do just one big episode or if we're going to break it up into chunks. We'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. Sure. Uh, but then our next regular recording will uh, not be until September, I think it's uh, the 16th, if I remember correctly. Or, uh, well, uh, on iPhone day, you can go like from the middle of a river or a canoe in Europe or something. However you want to do it, you can do a... A phone call right after the uh, Apple announcement. <laughs> is that what they do? They have to get out on canoes to get cell phone service? Is that is that how that works? I, I forgot. You're, you're going to Europe or doing something of some sort, right? I, I am, but I, I, I figured... I mean, I was told when I signed up for my uh, AT&T passport plan that um, I'd be able to use my phone everywhere I'm going. <laughs> All 100 megs of data? Yeah, so it's... So, it's, so that's um, not much of a passport. That's, that's like a passport <laughs> with one spot for a sticker. I actually thought, so let's talk about this. I actually thought it wasn't that bad of a deal. So the way it works is it's $30. It's a one-time charge. It doesn't automatically renew or anything. It's good for 30 days from whenever you tell it to start. So I told it to start you know, a couple of days before I was going to be leaving here. 
and you get unlimited text. Um, you get some pretty crappy rate for making phone calls, but I'm not really going to be doing that, so whatever. And 120 megabytes of data, which, uh, believe <laughs> me, those extra 20 I, that matter. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I totally understand that that's not very much data. But honestly, I, I think the only thing I'm going to use data for is iMessage and maybe the occasional use of Maps. And that's going to be it. So I think I'll be okay. So I don't want to sidetrack this conversation, but how much do you think you'll be using Uber while you're over there? That's a good question. I've been thinking about that. I actually haven't I haven't gone through and looked to see to like to confirm whether Uber was in the areas I'm going to be. Sure. I kind of assumed it would be, but I it's don't know everywhere. that. It is it is pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Is it still in France? Did it ever get shut down with all the protests? I'm I'm not going there, so I don't know. Okay. Um, sorry, where, where was this going or what was the original? <clears throat> I, was just, I was just saying that the, I felt like the, cause I, when I initially was planning this trip, I thought like, oh, like what am I going to do for a phone? Like, am I going to get some, I thought about getting like some cheap unlocked phone and then getting a SIM when I was over there and all this, but. That's just such I, a pain in the butt. And also you're going to different countries, right? I am. So then yeah. most, unless it's like the UK and Ireland, aren't most like European SIMs like per country? I, well, I, th I think a lot of them are, but I know that it was either Marco or Jason talked about some sim they got over there that seemed to work in most of Europe. Gotcha. Um, I thought was so, just, yeah. But still kind of a lot of work and actually would end up costing way more than this like $30 plan from AT&T, which I actually, again, I thought was pretty reasonably priced because really texting is going to be the number one thing I want, and that's unlimited. Mm -hmm. And like 120 megabytes of data, like I said, I, I completely get that's not much, and that will go very quickly if I don't watch it. But I feel like I can set up the phone so that only a couple of apps are using cellular data because that's that's really easy to configure on the iPhone. Sure, and it'll be it'll be pretty easy to to watch that. And it actually there's a setting or a menu in the settings app which will show you how much data you've used on uh, in roaming. So you know you can pretty closely watch it. When in Rome, not going there either. It was it, it was a pun on roaming. I know, but you're killing me. I I'm I'm a tough crowd. Nah, we'll edit all this out. Yeah, we'll cut we'll cut most of this out. Yeah, I, I just mean your side where you're killing all my jokes. Oh yeah, um, no, that's def yeah definitely. So again, the, the whole point with canoes wasn't I talking about canoes? Yeah, you were you were inferring that in order to talk about the new iPhone when I was over there, I'd have to get out on a canoe. I wasn't really sure what that meant. I just assume everything happens in canoes over there. Hmm, interesting. We should maybe should come back to that. It's Italy, right? That has all the um, um, canals. I think they're referred to as gondolas. No, which is the one. With... That's probably yeah. true. <laughs> yes, and you're you're correct. Yes. Okay. But I, I don't I don't believe they're ever referred to as canoes. Well, I don't think they're called gondolas either. I think they, they call it something in Italian. Oh, well, that could be. We're both wrong. There we go. I might, might, they might be some of them in, in uh, France, too, because in the, uh, the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas, they have a gondola thing, I think. You're, you're basing your opinion and your knowledge of France off of a <laughs> really crappy recreation just... in Nevada. I'm simply proving that, that this upcoming trip to Europe that I have is going to be my first trip to Europe, and I'm you know so I'm painfully proving that here. Well, congratulations! I'm, I'm you're becoming more worldly. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The only place I've ever been to outside of the U.S. is Cabo, and I've been there twice, and I feel like that doesn't really count. 
Got to give the rest of the countries a chance. Right. Did we ever wrap up the baseball thing? <laughs> I don't understand how this got here. I'm not really sure, no. Okay. Good start. Yeah, great start. <laughs> okay. I, I, like, I like the ones where we come prepared like this. <sighs> all right. Um, all right. So where, where, where do you want to start? Or do you want so, me to jump into this? We, we have a lot to cover. We, uh, we but do. I, I, I got the impression, I mean, quite frankly, as I have most weeks, where I think you came more prepared than I. So so why don't you start? I'm not prepared. I, I, just, uh, I have a, a project I recently completed that I am uh, uh, kind of uh, not excited, but I think I have a lot to say about. Yeah, we, we teased this at the very end of last week. So I think, uh, I think that'd be a good place to start. So I think uh, episode, I'm just making this up, episode 39, we covered that we both, uh, I think I got, and then somehow you ended up getting the 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro. So I got that to replace my uh, aging 15-inch uh, Retina, first-generation uh, MacBook Pro with Retina display that had a really uh, bad failing display, and it was just a bit too large for my day-to-day -day use. So I ended up upgrading that to the 13-inch, and I still had that 15 line around. And the 13-inch screen was just a little bit too small. So I ended up repurposing the old MacBook Pro as a uh, desktop Mac. Just because the uh, Retina iMac is uh, way too impractical a choice right now. So yeah, that got finished up and I'm fairly happy with the results. Uh, so you, you sent me a photo of this this afternoon and it's a uh, very, very nice looking setup. Thank you. I try. It'll look that nice for all of four minutes. Yeah, that's... um, Yeah. The, the the whole the whole idea of especially like with the cabling too I find like you get it all nice and organized when you set up a new space and yeah with within forty eight hours it's just a mess again. Actually, I'm pretty good with that stuff. Like normally, I I really think through the placement of things. Like especially with like the home theater and stuff. Like I'm pretty good about being proactive and smart about the cabling and where things are laid out. It's just that when I have like when I actually have to like do something. That just takes over any type of like cleanliness, and then it generally doesn't get cleaned up for a week. So the key, I think, is really you just don't want to use the new space. Basically. So I should just ditch this, let it look pretty, and just keep using my 13-inch with the, the way-too-small screen. Right. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it turned out okay. Because again, the, for all, like, so the, the original MacBook Pro that I had from 2012, because um, I'm an idiot and I buy first-generation stuff, it was actually like it still holds up today. Like it has a really fast uh, quad core i7 processor that's not slow by any means, even with today's uh, Intel processors, because not a lot has happened there. Um, I ended up uh, getting the 16 gigs of RAM when I originally bought it. It has a half terabyte SSD. So I mean, it's still a very, very worthwhile computer. And the comparable uh, Retina iMac would be, um, I think it was like $3,200. Like I know that has a very nice screen attached to it. But the actual computer is it, it's it's pricey. How how much was a half terabyte SSD in 2011? Uh, the MacBook Pro I bought was 3,300 um, back in 2012. 2012, sorry. Yeah, so the, I had to bump the uh, bump it up from a 256. So I think it was like 400 dollars extra for the 512, and then the RAM because the RAM soldered on. So you, uh, Apple's kind of clamp down on any uh aftermarket upgrades on that the um at least in in our retina macbook pros even the hard drive's not replaceable right well yeah because the, the um the uh solid state chips are just soldered onto the motherboard there's no actual like separate module if i'm uh correct right so anyway it's it's working out well 
I really, really missed the big screen. And when I originally tried this out, I used, uh, I don't know if you remember, that, that old Dell 24-inch uh, 2407 monitor. Yeah, I, uh, I babysat that for you, I think, for like a week when you were like in between apartments or something. Probably. Um, and the, the, that monitor kind of holds up, but it really doesn't. So, uh, but I did like uh, the extra screen real estate and also the, the non-retina aspect of it was killing me. Um, so then I did some research and apparently, again, because I'm a dummy and I buy first generation stuff, you can't actually drive a 4K or better monitor from an, a first-gen MacBook Pro. Really? Because it has Thunderbolt 1, which is very fast, but doesn't have the bandwidth for uh, a monitor that will allow you to do 4K at a reasonable refresh rate. So like everything would look super stuttery. Like So it wouldn't do 60 hertz? It, it would cap out at either 24 or 30. Oh. So I, I'm not a gamer. I know nothing about that, but everybody just said it's a mess. No, but even just in regular desktop usage, you you want sixty. Like the gamers want like one twenty, mm-hmm. which which is kind of crazy. I've I've used a hundred and twenty gigahertz monitor, and I it's kind of like you know the whole TV refresh rate thing. Can, where can that you looks... explain that to me? What, what is the difference between frames per second and hertz? Like monitors and displays are not something I know about. I I know I I cannot technically explain that to you. So sixty hertz does like if it was if the monitor was run at thirty hertz. That doesn't mean 30 frames per second max. No. Okay. Unless you have V-Sync enabled, then it does. Don't even know what that means. Yeah. That, that, that is a setting that locks the frame rate to, to cap out at no greater than the refresh rate of your monitor, which can reduce like graphical tearing and other sort of artifacts. Uh, but anyway, so... Literally only understood two of those words. <laughs> what does um, tearing mean? It's where... In, in the technical context. I can't give you a technical explanation, but... No, I mean, it, I, I don't know what it means in computer-ishness. It's just where graphics, like if you're in a, like a first-person shooter and you, you turn your, you know, view very quickly, the the graphics will, they almost kind of like blur out for a minute where they'll kind of um, bleed out from the, you know, edges of where they're supposed to be. What are jaggies? I remember that being a term. That, that's 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 you want an anti-aliasing turned on for that, and it smooths out the edges of textures. Okay, is that still a thing today? Oh yeah, definitely. Although it's it's nice now. Um, so like I have a NVIDIA card in my desktop, which we'll we'll come back to that. Um, and it has an application now where it can scan your game library, look at your hardware specs, and it'll just set the settings inside of each game to what it feels is like the most optimum nice. so, you, so you don't have to sit there and play around with settings and I, i've found that to be largely um largely okay that's cool because i usually thought people or uh, like hardcore pc people usually hated the um is nvidia is it called forceware or is that still a thing what's what's the thing for their whole like driver display companion app thingy it, it when you install NVIDIA drivers and you install the full package, it installs mm. like 18 different things. So and I, I remember I that's why everybody used to hate it. Like, well, there there's a customization, uh, custom install option, rather, where you can choose to not install any of that stuff. Gotcha. And you used to have to do things like if you want to do like a clean install on graphics drivers, you had to go in and like manually delete a bunch of like INI files or go and get some... <laughs> shady oh, like third-party utility but now in the nvidia installer there's literally just a button that says hey do you want to do a clean install you press it it completely wipes out the old driver and installs a new driver and you don't even have to reboot your computer anymore 
Oh, that takes me back. I haven't heard INI files or DLL files or any of that stuff in so long. Oh, it'd be so irritating like when you'd have a DLL file that you couldn't delete because it was in active memory. So you had to boot in a safe mode and then you'd get at it and you can delete it and then boot back into regular mode. Was which was the do you have to hit F8 a bunch of times before the BIOS fully posts or what what was this? Oh, uh, well no, it depends on your uh depends on your uh, motherboard. So like most motherboards I think now are either delete or F11 and then I think safe mode was either F8 or F9. Jesus, we're so old. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so monitor it, 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 monitor so, refresh rates. Sorry, the the kids who have iPads will never know any of this. Just no, like people won't even have Macs anymore. Couldn't even tell you what the refresh rate of an iPad screen is. It's infinite. <laughs> um. Uh. So anyway, so yeah, I can't can't run a 4K monitor because of Thunderbolt and like there. It was a fantastic computer, but there were so many. It, again, I, I'm the idiot that buys first gen stuff. So. Whatever. So uh, the best I like after doing much research, the best I figured out that I could do was uh, a new uh, Dell monitor, which is the U2515H. Oh, so that picture you sent me today, that is not that's not your old Dell monitor. No, not at all. Not at all. Oh, interesting. So it's a it's a very nice monitor. It's a 25 inch display. Twenty five. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's an odd size. It is. But there's a plus here. It uh, runs, so where most 24-inch monitors run at uh, 1920 by 1080, this one runs at 2560 by 1440. So the resolution of your 27-inch Thunderbolt display in a 25-inch screen size. I have a 24-inch cinema display. Do you? Wait, Mm -hmm. how old is your display? I bought it in, I think, 2009. Oh, okay. It's pre-Thunderbolt. Okay, so yours is 1920. It, It is, yes. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think it's a very nice screen size in the sense that the resolution it's displaying is normally what would be appropriate for a 27 or a 30-inch monitor. So I generally like things a little bit smaller on screen. And that also kind of, not really, but kind of makes it more retina-like, sort of, but not really. I don't know. So how are the how are like the colors and other sort of attributes of it? Colors are fantastic. The resolution's great. Like working on Lightroom in this versus a 13-inch MacBook Pro, like it's it's insane. Like, uh, do you use Lightroom on your MacBook Pro or on the Mac Mini? On the Mac Mini, generally. Okay. So then you, you don't know the hell that it is to use Lightroom on a 13-inch display. No. It's just like not not that it's Adobe's fault, but just like the panels, like the the image previews and the left and right panels, just the the photo size after you have those open is just so small it's it's nuts so in in this photo that i'm looking at where where is your 15 inch macbook pro so that was a a bit of a home depot project so underneath the since i never really need to get to the macbook pro ever except for reasons i've discovered after the fact because i'm an idiot um i created a a shelf underneath the desk wow that that i can (laughs) i'm very handy Yes. Um, that that I mounted the MacBook Pro under, and that's where all the cables are routed, and it sits very, very nicely there. The two drawbacks that I've uh, discovered after the fact were uh, importing photos into Lightroom. Uh, I have to crawl underneath my desk to insert an SD card. <laughs> so I'm probably going to have to buy a, 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 an SD card reader because um, that, that, was, that was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, and also um, headphones. But mm. I, I can just run an extension cable. That's not a big deal. Well, it seems or like you could, I, you or could I do could, the, Go ahead. I was say you could you could probably do the same thing with the SD card, like a, 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 a 
USB SD card reader and just put that up on the desk or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, or I'll get uh, – I don't have speakers right now. Um, so I like right now it's just using the internal speakers, which honestly sounds fine even with the lid closed. Uh, but maybe I'll get speakers that are USB powered that have a headphone jack on them and that way I kind of kill two birds with one stone. You still find the um, the scan snap to be a critical part of your workflow. It, it has a very kind of prominent place in this new setup. Um, where, where else would I put it? And also, yes, anytime I get anything on paper, uh, I really, really, really dislike paper. Just because where am I going to put it? Um, it just gets uh, sent right into Evernote, and then it's magically uh, uh, it gets scanned in as a uh, OCR'd uh, PDF file that's available instantly on all my devices. So no, I think it's extremely worthwhile. Hmm. I, I have I have many other questions about this setup. Sure. Um, the the mouse that's in the photo. Yes. What what is that? So both the mouse and the keyboard are they're called the Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic desktop. The mouse is w- weird, um, but it's fine. Like it looks really strange. And it has a Windows logo on it, which bugs the crap out of me. But um, it's very nice. It's it's comfy and it's easy to use. And I've got, um, yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's mainly the keyboard. It, it came with the keyboard and I didn't feel the need to go and buy a second mouse that I would have liked maybe slightly more and have them not match. This is a, it's a very strange looking mouse. It's like kind of like a big stone that has like the left side cut out of it. Like I don't know if you, if you, uh, you can only see the right side I think in the photo, but you might want to pull it up on Google or something. I, I've got I've got the the official Microsoft dot com uh, page pulled up here. Okay. Oh, that 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 Windows logo. Wow. <sighs> because it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> it, it definitely is. At least it's at least it's the new logo. But the thing I really really like about it, um, so a couple of things, uh, particularly about the mouse. Um, I, I know this is not a big deal for most other people, but again, I'm I'm used to using a keyboard and trackpad for the most part for uh, as my primary input methods. Um, on the left hand side of it, uh, well, there's like the left and right mouse click buttons and the scroll wheel. The scroll wheel um, has like di- it's not just like acceleration, but there are like different like levels of speed in it. Sort of does that make sense? Not really, but I'll, I'll go with it. Like just the faster you scroll, like you can get really precise scrolling, and you can also move really quickly on it. Which I enjoy. Okay. And then on, like, next to the horrific uh, Windows button, if you squeeze the mouse, um, there's, like, a little button on that little left indentation that you can map to whatever you want. And I have that uh, set to do uh, expose or mission control, whatever Apple calls it now. And I find that very, very uh, useful, especially on a screen this big. Hmm. And then, yeah, the keyboard is is the main reason I got it, because if I'm going to do more typing at this machine, it is nice to have a more comfortable keyboard. This one has kind of the negative typing angle and the split and everything. And I can get a bit faster than I normally would be, and uh, my hands don't get kind of uh, cramped after like uh, typing for a while. So, highly recommended, except kind of not, but yes. So where do you, where do you keep the uh, numerical pad? Uh, in my desk. No, so you don't use that. N- not a heck of a lot. Like, I, because even if I'm using Excel or I'm doing a lot of stuff with numbers, like I have to be inputting. Like, I'm I don't input that much data. Like, so I I don't need it that often. Like, I can just deal with the number numbers being at the top. Okay. So, uh, so, so my so my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the Bose SoundLink Mini speaker that you have right underneath the the monitor. Yeah. So what what's what's the deal there? You do you actually use it when it's just sitting there? Well, that's because it's playing a Bluetooth audio off my phone. Okay. So that sometimes may or may not be there. I'm thinking about it just because it does kind of match, and it the sound quality is fantastic. So I'm thinking of maybe getting a second one. I don't know. Yeah, I um I keep mine. So when I'm at home, I, I when I'm traveling, I'll bring it with me. But then when I'm just at home, I keep mine in the kitchen, and I, I very much enjoy that. Yeah, sound like many. It's it's pretty pretty darn great. It's great. I mean, it's it's pricey, but I mean, you you get what you pay for. And you can bludgeon somebody with it. It's like the heaviest speaker in the world. It's um yeah, it it's very it's dense. dense. Yeah. Ooh, jinx, buy me a Coke. Too much sugar. <laughs> buy you a smart water. Um so yeah, anyway, so the the new uh peripherals are kind of nice. Um so that works out. And what what other uh stress? So back to the monitor real quick. The one reason the other uh nice thing I like about it is that you know, Dell, I don't know, it's like kind of like Microsoft in terms of like they make what you think their core business is isn't what they're actually good at. Is that like a weird backhanded compliment? Uh, no, I think it makes sense. <laughs> like Microsoft, like the software, yeah. But but like uh, peripherals, like Xbox and keyboards and mice are, are top notch. And Dell, their monitors are still like just the absolute best. They think through everything. Um, so those, the monitor has a really nice anti-glare coating. And also on the back of it, it has a five-port uh, USB 3 hub which is hmm. fantastic. So that allows me to plug everything into it. No like cable mess. And um, yeah, USB three is really surprising. I didn't even realize that my old hub was USB two or that the MacBook pro I have was USB two or sorry, it supports USB three. So what, what do you, what do you use? That's USB three enabled. Um, a uh, SATA, SATA or SATA um, hard drive dock. Oh, that's the only thing I get the speed boost off of. But uh, ever since I bought a newer one of those, it's 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 insane how slow USB two was. I just thought it was my network speed because I was copying stuff off of my uh, network attached storage onto an external hard drive, and I'm like, oh, why is this taking so long? I just thought it was uh, network throughput, but no, it was the USB two. Hmm. So yeah, so that's very nice, and also Dell. Uh, they so it has DisplayPort, which I'm not used to on anything. This is the first thing I've ever had that had like not DisplayPort going to something else, but actual DisplayPort. So that's neat. And they actually include a DisplayPort to Mini DisplayPort cable. Oh, we we should definitely come back to that. Okay, but I just thought that was a really nice touch, and because normally you think whenever somebody sells you, or like whenever you get like a new hardware product, like a printer or anything, they try to like cheap out on everything else. No, Dell thought of absolutely everything. Like 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 I said, we're we're gonna come back to that. Okay, does this have to do with Dell or somebody else? It has to do with my uh, Windows 10 story, which I think is what we'll we'll cover next. Sure, sure. Um. And lastly, uh, have you ever heard of Jet.com? No, you uh, you put something about that in the Slack this week, and I I had never heard of it. So there's some new site that's supposed to, I don't know, they have like a whole bunch of VC, VC money, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff, and they, they're supposed to be like the, the new Amazon, and they're doing all this uh, great stuff. So I ordered from them because they had a, not like the cheapest price, but they they allegedly had quick shipping, and they had a good price on the monitor. And not only did it take nine business days to get the monitor, which I thought was insane. They don't tell you off the bat that they're shipping, like that what you're getting sold is from a third party, not them directly. And also when I got the monitor, the box was like ripped to hell. And it really looks like it was that way before FedEx got their hands on it. 
So the monitor itself is fine, so I have no idea if I should um, send it back or if I should try to get another one or what I should do there. Yeah, I don't. This this website is strange. I I, I don't I don't get the intro video at the top with the purple tint. Yeah, ne- neither do I. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna stick with Amazon. I think it was a huge mistake. But again, like so, the monitor is fine. The packaging on the inside was uh, Adele smartly packaged it. Should I just leave it or should I reorder? Do you think? I think you're fine. Okay. But anyway, yeah, fantastic choice on the monitor. Very proud Good. of myself. Very nice. Um, and so I have one final question. Sure. Um, the the sadness uh, figuring the from from inside out. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you've mentioned before on the show that you that you've had one of these little figurines. Um, sadness is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything more to say about that? No, I just thought she was the coolest one from the movie. Okay. Like, I mean, like, uh, the, the Lewis Black character, Anger, I also have one of him, but he's, his, his figuring is not as cool. And, uh, like, I enjoy Amy Poehler in the movie, but in terms of, like, an actual, like, character you'd want on your desk, Joy is not, like, super, like, identifiable or cool to look at. Does that make sense? Sure. And then, like, uh, Mindy Kaling's character, meh. And then the, the tall one, uh, Fear. I don't know. Again, I, 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 I said, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into this. Um, well, I guess um, I'm a little disappointed that um, sadness has replaced Wally. No, no, Wally's still around. Wally, if you looked, I don't, I don't think I have. Uh, it's an, it's visible in the picture, but it, to my left, I have a um, framed uh, XKCD print uh, of the one that uh, somebody's wrong on the internet. <laughs> Hold on, do you remember this one or not? I do. Okay. Um, and then Wally's on top of it. Oh, okay. So Wally's all around. I see. Yeah. Um, and I think I had one other thing on this. And just, yeah, I don't know. I, I miss having a big screen. I don't think that can be uh, understated of how that important that is for, like, if you're going to do anything, like, for a long time. Like, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the difference between 13 and 15 inches in the laptop is, like, somewhat significant. And if you're doing a lot of stuff, it's really useful. And if Apple ever comes out, and comes to their senses and makes a 24-inch, uh, like, 4K iMac, I'd probably be all over that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I will use the 13-inch MacBook Pro here at home if I'm just doing something quick or, you know, casually reading something. But if I'm actually trying to get some things done, I'll, you know, sit here at the desk with the Mac Mini that's connected to my 24-inch screen. Yeah. And Ethernet. It's pretty nice. Oh, I highly recommend it. My my Mac Mini is no more than uh, about a foot and a half away from my uh, router, mm-hmm. and it, it's still plugged in via Ethernet. Sure. Yeah. And, I, and, and lastly, the only way this setup works is because of Dropbox. So I'm I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah. So I guess maybe that is the last thing to talk about with this. So you so you you know you've been keeping me apprised of how this has been going. And um, you had mentioned that it seemed like the number one thing you were struggling with was keeping your two Macs in sync. Yeah. So, I mean, because I'm all in on iCloud, uh, the personal information syncing, like contacts and calendar, is not terribly difficult. Uh, Email is synced through uh, Google Apps. Slack and Evernote and Twitter and uh, iCloud Photos and all that keep most of that stuff going pretty well. And then uh, 
when Dropbox uh, upgraded all their storage to a terabyte, I think that was like late last year, I basically just put everything that's on my Mac that's not music or photos into Dropbox. And I just trained myself to think like that's the only like user facing part of the operating system. So that uh, did very, very well here. And yeah, Dropbox is uh, rock solid. And that's the only way this works because I am able to um, like start working on one and pick it up on the other and it works nicely. Oh, and uh, Chrome Sync too. I know you had some questions around the way that like having the same document open in multiple locations in Dropbox, kind of how that worked with saving the file. Did you did you sort that out? No, I just I just I'm just going to save and close things more often because I'm somebody who generally uh, just leaves everything open all the time. That's why I buy machines with tons of RAM, and I'm going to try to just break that habit. Okay. Because my issue was not that I think like data would get lost. It's just that I would have a document open on one. I would start working on it, but not save it and then try to pick it up with another one and then save it. And somehow it all gets screwed up and I would lose the changes from one another, which is probably true. I, you know, I want to say that when, like, I, I think I've seen this when Dropbox has like, um, had like a connection issue. Like if, if my Wi-Fi at work or something isn't, isn't working well, if it detects that it's saving over a version it doesn't recognize i think it actually brings up a little dialog box to say like hey do you want to like overwrite changes or do you want to actually like copy this into a new file but uh how can it because like because like because the operating system would just be like no that's a file i'm gonna save that i mean half of what dropbox does is kind of magic so i don't really know (laughs) uh anyway but yeah but uh, every Lots of things sync now, and I was really opposed, or I was really like on the fence, like privacy wise, of whether or not I wanted to turn on Google Sync, like as part of Chrome. But um, for convenience, I, I gave in, and it's pretty great. It even syncs extensions, which is pretty pretty great. Yeah, I was thinking about this recently, um, like with the original iPhone, how damn near impossible it was to even sync basic information like contacts and calendar. No, you had iTunes. <laughs> I mean, wirelessly, like to to, to a, really a point to USB a, cable to a to a point where you didn't have to like think like, oh, hey, it's been a few days since I've synced my stuff. Yeah, I've been, I think it was not until iOS three that Exchange was supported. So even if you had like a business account or you were an end user who wanted to waste the money to get that going, yeah, that you had a couple of years that were a dark time. Yeah, but then there was like, wasn't there some like weird like hack you could do? No, we're not even a hack, but just like kind of like an advanced power user kind of thing with like Google. Well, no, the thing is, if you had a certain type of Google account, you could set like Google for a short period of time. And now it's uh, only available to Google Apps users who pay. Um, You could emulate a Microsoft Exchange connection to sync Google Calendar and to get push Google Mail. Right. Pretty sure that's what you mean. That it is what I mean. Good times. As you would say. Yeah. Anyway, very, I'm pretty happy with this. I'm bummed about the retina display, but I'll live and hopefully by uh, like the middle of next year, like it'll, it'll work out. Yeah, I, it looks, looks very nice. All right. So do you want to tell me about the magic that is Windows 10? Yes. Yes, I do. So, um, well, first, can you just give like a quick summary? Because I don't remember and most people probably don't remember. What is kind of your uh, PC computing like setup? Uh, so I have a, a custom-built desktop that's um, about two years old now. It'll be two years, I think, in November. Um, fairly modest setup, you know, nothing, nothing super crazy. Uh, but it, it's a machine that I built with gaming in mind. That, that's really about all I use it for. 
Um, and so it, previously what I had done was uh, with my old desktop is I had um, just connected it to my cinema display along with the uh, Mac Mac mini. So I had a, a mini display port out from the desktop and of course from the Mac mini. And I would just kind of alternate that cable between the two. Um, <laughs> Sounds like fun. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some weird like third party mini display ported like switch I could buy, but eh, whatever. Um, but then um, when I upgraded to this new desktop and got it all built out, I purchased a relatively inexpensive gaming monitor, one of the like fast refresh rate deals that we were talking about. Okay. Um, and so I, I had been running kind of a two monitor setup where I had one monitor dedicated to the desktop and then the cinema display just dedicated to the Mac mini. Um, so then when Windows 10 came out, I knew I wanted to reformat the desktop and um, I kind of wanted to redo my desk setup because my, my desk is is pretty small. I mean, I'm in a studio apartment, so I don't really have a lot of space and having two monitors on this relatively small desk seemed a little excessive. And I really didn't use that second monitor much because I don't really use my desktop a ton. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go back to just using the cinema display for both machines. Um, so that was the first thing I knew I wanted to do as part of getting ready for this this Windows 10 setup. Um, and it turns out that my new graphics card in this this new desktop does not have mini DisplayPort out. It just has DisplayPort. And unlike your scenario with Dell, uh, mine did not come with a adapter. <laughs> So I, I had a weekend day all picked out a couple weeks ago where I was going to do this upgrade, had some time carved out for it, you know, went to plug in uh, my cinema display and, well, that wasn't going to work. And I, I could have gone and gotten the old monitor out of the closet and everything, but <laughs> at that point I was like, you, what, this isn't a very time sensitive thing, so whatever. So I went on Amazon, bought a 478, you know, Display port to mini display port adapter. Uh, got that. That works fine now. Um, so then I, you know, finally, a uh, weekend or two later, set up the time again to uh, to install Windows 10. And let me just say that it, it is a good thing that I dedicated basically an entire day to this process because it turned out that was about what I needed. Okay. Um, so, so the way Windows 10 works in terms of upgrading is it's free if you're running Windows 7 or Windows 8 or 8.1. And the way that Microsoft recommends you do it, which is completely crazy, I think, is as part of Windows Update, you can download this little utility. It sits in your taskbar, and it will send you a notification when you have been chosen to, uh, to be upgraded. So there's like a virtual queue of people, and when, you're, when your turn is, is up, uh, you can click on the little notification and it will let you download Windows 10. It's like Disneyland. <laughs> uh, but there's a very you know, public way that you can get around that, which is there's a website which just contains the installer file. And you can just go to this website, download either the 32 or 64-bit version, and then you completely bypass that whole queue process. So that's what I did. Um, but then this is where things start to get really crazy. So, you know, like any sort of reasonable Windows user, I don't ever do in-place upgrades because who does that? <laughs> I, and I mean, really who trusts that, I should say. I'm sure regular uh, people do with <laughs> like with the four different toolbars in Internet Explorer. Oh, 
So, I mean, that, that was certainly the way that Microsoft intended this to work. They did not really advertise the ability to do a clean install. But, I, of course, I did some, some research and figured out there was a way you could do it. But... Well, Sorry, quick question. With Windows 10, like they've moved away. Like there's no more software keys anymore, right? Well, so that, that's where we're going. Okay. This. So there is no way to do a clean install of Windows 10 without first doing an in-place install of Windows 10. Because here, here's what happens. When you install Windows 10 over your existing version of Windows, so you just do an upgrade, during that process, your Windows, in my case, 8.1 key, product key, gets converted to a Windows 10 product key. And so if, if, if I were just to download an ISO of Windows 10 and had just tried to install that directly without going through this process, I never would have been able to get it to activate because my Windows 8.1 key wouldn't have been converted. And again, the only way to do that was by first doing an in-place upgrade. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. And I haven't heard the word ISO in years. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I did that process. It, it was fairly quick. Not, not a big deal. Uh, weird, but whatever. I'll deal with that. It's free. So, so then the way that you do the clean install, once you've successfully gone through the uh, um, upgrade process, and you confirm that you've been activated and that your key's been converted, apparently some people had been having some issues with that. I think that was more of like the day or first couple of days it came out and the activation servers were just getting crushed. You know, I, I was installing this a couple of weeks later. I had absolutely no issue. So the next step is to download that same installer file again. And this time, instead of selecting the upgrade option, there is actually a very clean option that says, hey, do you want to go ahead and just uh, either burn a DVD or create a bootable USB key? That way you can install Windows you know, as like a fresh install. So I, you know, I, I chose the USB key option because, again, why would I want to use a DVD? Um, and I, after trying three different USB devices, I couldn't get any of them to be recognized by this application. It would just say that I didn't have any uh, USB device connected to my computer tried different USB ports, again, tried three different USB drives, nada. So I went into my closet, dug out my external DVD writer, which I don't can't tell you the last time I used that. And fortunately, I don't, I don't even know where these came from. I still had a spindle of like Sony DVD-Rs. <laughs> um, so I burned, I burned a DVD, haven't, haven't done that in forever, but I burned a DVD of Windows 10. Um, so, you know, finally got that figured out. Um, and then the, the next issue I ran into, and th this is, this is my own fault. Um, I had my TV also plugged into this graphics card via HDMI. And I, I guess it turns out that the HDMI port during like the, the boot up process of my machines, so, like before you get to windows always takes precedent over any other port on the card. So I wasn't able to see like any of my boot options or anything like before the Windows screen on my monitor here. And I you know, didn't realize that it was showing up on my TV because I had my TV turned off. So I, I sat there forever like trying to get my computer to boot off of the external DVD drive, but I couldn't even see the option of where to do that. Um, so I that took forever to figure out, but I eventually was like, okay, I, I, I took the, you know, HDMI cord for my TV, unplugged that, and then I could see the boot options and everything on my monitor. And then set you know set it to, to boot off a DVD, 
again, another one of those things I haven't done forever. But from that point, Windows 10 installed cleanly, fast, um, and about 30 minutes later, I was I was finally done. But uh, needless to say, a much more involved process than I thought it was going to be. That, yeah, that sounds like a mess. I just... Hmm. Well, cool. And it was everything smooth sailing after that? Like, is our drivers still like a big deal with uh, newer versions of Windows? Like, I know on Windows XP and to a lesser extent Vista, you kind of had to sort all that out in the beginning. Like, otherwise, your computer would show up like it's just 640 by 480. And <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? I do know. Since, I mean, you used to have like when you'd first install XP or, yeah, even Vista, but especially XP, you'd go into Device Manager and you'd, you would have just 18 oh, different uh, it, pieces was it, of... Was it called Other or Unknown Devices? And now it's <laughs> question marks next door. Right, exactly. Universal um, PNP device. There's like yeah. 15 of them. Right. So then you'd, you'd sit there and you'd like, you know, you'd install your motherboard drivers, you'd install your graphics card. I mean, you just, you just basically install every driver you could find until those eventually went away. Uh, but no, so starting with Windows 7... That's really no longer a thing. Whenever you clean install Windows, um, ever since installing 7 for the first time, I've never had a case where any of the hardware was unrecognized, just right out of the box. And at that point, it's just an option of like installing preferred drivers. Like That's right. So, so the, only, the only preferred driver I installed was, was for my graphics card. I'm sure there's some preferred part, you know, motherboard driver I could download or something, but... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really into that thing anymore. Uh, but you know, my 360 controller that was recognized right away. Mouse and keyboard. I mean, everything else, you know, was was totally fine. And that's you know, again, that's that's been the case for a while now with Windows. And yeah, I mean, I think my you know one sentence review of Windows 10 is this is what Windows 8 should have been. But is it better than seven? Like, is it is it offering anything new, or was it just getting like? modernizing windows 7 it's just modernizing windows 7 i think the i think the start menu is really smart so do you think you're gonna you do you foresee yourself using kind of the integrated live tiles maybe um again i really only use that machine for gaming like i think if i think if my work laptop were also upgraded to windows 10 which as far as i know i don't think there's any plans to do that anytime soon but if it were then i i think maybe i i'd use it for some things but again, because my desktop's not like a day-to-day machine, probably not. Gotcha. Um, and you know, like, so I, I got I got the gaming stuff all set up, and uh, was reminded again that the whole Steam big picture mode is pretty great. What is that? So Steam Steam big picture is a, a special mode in Steam. It's you just literally press like one button, and Steam basically turns your computer into a like xbox interface where yeah um, it the, the whole interface is meant to be controlled just via like a controller so again i have a xbox 360 controller hooked up to my pc and whenever you're in this mode you don't need a you know mouse or keyboard to do anything you can access all your settings all your games everything just using a controller so if you have your computer being output to a tv like i do you just put steam into big picture mode and your pc basically becomes a console nice yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, quick side topic: Is Steambox still a thing, or did they kind of stop it, caring about that? It is still a thing, but it, it certainly does not have their full attention. Okay, it's a lot like the Mac App Store in that way. Ouch. Although <laughs> I, I don't think so, but ouch. 
Uh, okay. So, um, all right. Install experience was unnecessarily complicated. And one of the hiccups was not necessarily their fault, but probably that's, that's weird. Like I would assume if like the, the display, like if the video card can't like, why wouldn't it just display the same thing on all input modes? So that, so when you, it's, I mean, it's a great question. When you, when you hook up two monitors for the first time in windows, that's what it defaults to. Yeah. It's just to show, just to mirror both displays. So you would think that the pre windows environment would do the same, but uh, it turns out no. <laughs> there again, I mean, there's, there could be some hardcore, you know, gamer video card enthusiast like screaming out their, their headset now. There isn't. <laughs> um, that there's some setting I could go in and change, but again. Well, I'd how just... would you? If, there, if there's no software to instruct it, then. It, well, it, could, it could be like a, like a BIOS setting or something. Gotcha. Who, who knows? Definitely not us. No. It, uh, this is good. Hmm. So how much longer do you foresee yourself keeping a Windows machine around? Like, does it get enough use? It's, it's no, no, it? It, to- it totally, no, not at all. Um, so when do you I, think you'll give it up? Or do you, is it just not enough hassle right now? Like, what's the, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I still do, I, we've talked a couple episodes ago about this. I, I don't really have the time that I used to to kind of mess around with this stuff. But I do still really enjoy the process of building a computer and upgrading a computer. Um, so I, I do really like that. Um, I certainly don't do it as frequently as I used to. I mean, the this upgrading this desktop like I did a couple of years ago was the first time I had done that since since college, like midway through college or something. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it's it's just it's a fun hobby. That's really I view this desktop as a hobby, and I play the occasional PC game. So that's kind of an added bonus that I, I, I always kind of have a machine which is ready to do that. Um, but no, it's not a, it's not an economically smart thing to do in terms of, you know, how much I use it. Cause I don't use it very much. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that's, I think that, that about covers it. All right. Hmm. Boy, an hour in. Well, no, not, we, not we, quite, not quite an hour in, anyway. but. It's fine. This is, this is what the people uh, add us to their pod, podcatcher for. It definitely. Um, all right, let me check off these boxes in OmniFocus. <laughs> okay. What? Uh, I, got, I got all the screen real estate. Yeah. Oh, actually, a quick like kind of combination of the two topics. One thing that Mac OS ten or, sorry, Apple needs to steal from windows for os 10 is apparently in windows 10 there's a new uh what's called a low bandwidth mode where you get to choose like you can i windows 10 has a lot of weird stuff in it and especially like the wi-fi sense thing like that we should probably maybe briefly mention but they have a feature where you can specify that a wi-fi network or some type of connection is a like metered cellular connection so you can tell it to like not download software updates and to scale back the data it uses Unless like the user is actually requesting something, so I really think that's something Apple should steal or uh, implement in a similar way. Isn't there something like that in iOS nine, or is that is that strictly just for battery usage? What do you mean? Well, like kind of like the metered mode, which kind of dynamically allows you to determine like what apps get to basically run. Well, no, but I mean on the Mac. 
No, no, I, I know, but presumably if you're using a cellular connection on your uh, uh, Mac, it would be via your iPhone and hotspot. Exactly. But I, what I think is like when, you, when you're on um, personal hotspot mode, like I, I don't know if the Mac will like scale, like because OS X and iOS devices for that matter will just kind of like have a field day whenever they're on Wi-Fi. They just think that everything's unlimited. So they'll download multi-gigabyte software updates without telling you or like in the background upload or download all this cloud stuff. So I think in the day and age where cellular connections are not unlimited, I think that's a really smart choice that Microsoft's making. So hopefully that makes its way. I think the the iOS 9 feature I'm thinking about is is, is just strictly for battery life. And even if it did relate to cellular, cellular usage, it probably wouldn't apply to the hotspot yeah. feature anyway. Yeah. And yeah, this whole Wi-Fi sense thing seems really lame. So what? What I, my Windows desktop is, you know, plugged in via Ethernet. So I, I haven't even seen any of this. So Wi-Fi sense is a thing where the uh, your it'll tie any Wi-Fi networks that you log into with your Windows Live. Is it called Windows Live, or is it now just like your Microsoft account? <laughs> Window Windows. I think it's Windows Live. I, I, I don't know. Like when I was prompted to enter my username and password during the installation process and I had to go into one password and be like, do I even have one of these? And I, I do. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's been a lot of things over the years, but I think, cause remember when Microsoft under Balmer, like in 2007, everything became windows something. Yes. Even their online services. Okay. Um, but now like it will tie any Wi-Fi networks that you've ever joined into your windows live account. And then it will share the passwords to those Wi-Fi networks with your contacts. And there's, there's no way to turn that off. There is. Do you do you want to take a guess how you do that? No. You have to change the name of your Wi-Fi network to have underscore opt out in all caps at the end. No way. Swear to God, Google it. Oh, that's great. It's it's the most Microsoft way. Of, like like the, the the and here's a, there's a couple things. So people like people like are trying to defend the feature, saying that oh like the criticism's unfair, uh, but in that your password's not being given away. But if somebody like sure when they send the like login information to one of your like contacts they don't get the actual password they get like some encrypted hash but that doesn't make a difference like that's still a really lame way to approach this and also the opt out thing is completely ridiculous that just seems very poorly thought through like i get why and i think that would be kind of cool in a certain way only if it was like crazily opt in right Ugh. Again, two steps forward, one step back, sort of. Kinda. I would, I would think you could argue one step forward, two steps back. I don't know, like that. The fact that there's no longer this weird tile interface where if you hit the start button or the the Windows key on the desktop, you don't get like thrown in between these two weird modes, neither of which are very good. I think that's a huge step forward. Oh yes, the operating system in general, I think, is is improved, but that that Wi-Fi feature, not so much. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Well, one one step forward for the for the low bandwidth mode, <laughs> and then node or whatever this password sharing thing is. Uh, well, so that that's that's even more uh, even more of a stronger, more stronger. There we go. Uh, reason to just keep my Windows computer hardwired. <sighs> Sound cards aren't still a thing, are they? They are, but only for the. Only for the real crazies. Okay, that's what I thought. 
of which you know I, I i used to be one of those people i i bought sound cards well after you could get by perfectly fine with a usb driven headset well no i thought like ever since like 2000 like four like motherboards had like integrated 7.1 audio and it was just fine that too <laughs> okay but uh but then you know if you if you use that you'd sometimes risk you know the whole irq conflict thing so you, you got to be careful with that all these last century terms. I had I had yeah, to have I'm, the, I'm having like weird flashbacks. I had to have those extra five frames a second in Counter Strike. It was very important to me. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember I this thing. This is when we were working at Best Buy. I bought. I think it was like the um, XFi, like the Creative creative x-fi or something mm-hmm. like that. i remember they used to have like sponsorships with like pro gamers <laughs> right like there was like the i think this was a guy like there was a fatality edition there was that was like the really expensive one but that's a that's a guy right uh, or like know. or that was some type of professional gamer i think sure why not um i had like the the basic one which was even like it was like 120 bucks still um and i i remember buying that and then you know, plugging my like my same set of speakers into it, and just not hearing any difference at all, and <laughs> being being kind of bu- being kind of bummed out. Well, of uh, course. <laughs> Again, it's like it's probably if you get one of those like you know, those funky weirdo mice, like what, what are they called, yeah. razor mice? Right. But with like with the sound card, they had a uh, like partnership with whatever the battlefield game at the time was i think it was it wasn't 1942 it was like the one after that battlefield 2 maybe okay they, they had like a you know a partnership where it was like hey if you've got one of these creative cards you know you can go into this like ultra high definition sound mode or something so i you know would it would enable that mode in the game because I, I had one of these cards and again just, just no no difference <laughs> it just sound just sounded like just regular sound yep <laughs> now that was the last sound card i ever bought sounds like the windows experience yeah now i don't even um i don't have any speakers hooked up to my desktop i i just use a usb headset or uh when i play games through the tv with my desktop the sound just goes through my surround sound you know via hdmi that's really cool yeah that, that is pretty neat yeah i did not know that display port carried audio but apparently it does it does well so i think um and you know again the the more hardcore nerds and I can correct me if I'm wrong but I think DisplayPort, Mini DisplayPort, HDMI, and even DVI I think is is all is all the same signal. It's just different connectors. I think you were right up until DVI. Maybe maybe DVI because DVI doesn't do audio. I don't think. Yes, and also I think there's some technical limitation about. Like I don't think you could do 4K over DVI. Right. But then there are like revisions of all these standards. Yeah. So, you like, know, the... you, like there's HDMI 1.3 is the current one. Now there's a new one and certain ones carry Ethernet and certain ones don't. And yeah. Yeah. And that, ugh, I, that that's a whole mess. Yeah. That's why I like when it's just Thunderbolt. It's really, ex- it's really expensive and doesn't work with most things. <laughs> but at least I know uh... what it's called. That is actually another neat thing with with the whole, you know, the whole driver discussion we were having, just kind of the, the ease of setup, you know, the whole carrying audio over the HDMI cable into my surround sound speakers didn't have to do anything to get that to, to work. 
And in fact, Windows, because when I don't have my USB headset plugged in, knows that that HDMI out is the only audio output I have connected. It just defaults to that. Pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's something even just a handful of years ago that would have taken some crazy amount of setup after installing some weird customized driver or something. Technology's getting better every day. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I think, I think we're now, now officially done with those two topics <laughs> sure. for real, for real this time. Um, uh, yikes. All right. What else? <laughs> I still got a decent amount of stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. This, this is going to be a long show. We got to keep the people, you know, um, satisfied for the next few weeks. All right. So we're going to have the, the hardcore tech stuff um, at the front of this, and then we'll have all the iPhone or all the Apple speculation at the end of it. I think, yeah, I think that's going to be the plan. So where do you want, where do you want to go next? I, I kind of want to get the Amazon stuff out of the way. Okay. So go ahead and tell me what happened. So, so there was a New York Times article published this week, which, um, so you, you sent me the link and I had, I had seen the headline a couple of times previous to that, the morning this came out. And I totally made the false assumption that this was going to be another story about one of their warehouses. Cause there, there have been stories in the past talking about the really brutal, awful work conditions um, in, in some of their distribution centers. And there was another one this week too. But yeah. yeah, I know. I saw that. So I totally just assumed that's what this was going to be about. Um, but no, th- this is about their corporate culture in their office in Washington. And, um, and there's there's so much in here. So they, they talked to uh, over 100 current and former Amazon employees. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's really interesting, which I, I think we'll probably end up talking more about as we discuss this, is... You know, this article was written with Amazon's cooperation in, in terms of allowing Not, people to... Well, kind I mean, of. Kind of, right. Again, but the, in, the, in, in, people were provided to speak, but... The, correct, right. Um, so, that, I mean, that was another thing I assumed that, you know, once I got a few paragraphs in or, and realized, oh, you know, this this is going to really just be focused on the, on the corporate culture... Um, I also assumed that, oh, this this must be an article that was, you know, written completely without Amazon's cooperation. And that that's also not not true. I'm sure they didn't realize the end goal of the article, but people were were provided. I appreciate that you say it that way, because this article definitely had an agenda. It it did. I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it, it reached a conclusion. I think it had an agenda. It, I I don't disagree with that. Um so you know I, I think this is this is something that everyone should, should go out and read for themselves. But um you know the, the long of the short of it is that Amazon is portrayed as being a company which has a culture where um which, which is extremely competitive um extremely harsh even to employees who are maybe facing personal challenges um encourages employees to really kind of backstab one another um because there is a annual review process where the the weakest performers is kind of like a, a stack rank um are are fired mm-hmm. uh, and there's like a some kind of certain quota that's that's met every year usually um, the bottom 20 right um people are working 80 85 hours a week taking very little vacation um you know work, working when they get home in the evening working on the weekends um 
et cetera, et cetera, really. Um, I don't, I don't really know how much more detail I actually want to go into. It's that they think that's sufficient to kind of paint the the picture of the article. Um, and so I think, so my, the thing that I kind of want to start with, um, that I'm struggling with the most, just besides how awful all this sounds. Sounds. What do you mean? I, I, like from what I've read in, in multiple sources and the way I, uh, like this article didn't seem very even handed at all. Even like it, it's the way it was written specifically anytime somebody who spoke officially from Amazon like I think right after it said the person that Amazon permitted to speak freely or something, like the whole thing is just written in a super weird way. Well, but okay, but so to to finish the Sorry. thought, um, no, it's okay. Um, so you know, it, it, as soon as this article came out, there was a ton of backlash. Um, people got very upset about it, which I was fair in both directions. In both directions, and the people who were you know, saying this is, this is, this is terrible. This is awful. Clearly made an impression on the company because very quickly, um, Jeff Bezos released a memo internally, which like everything in the world got leaked out onto the internet within minutes. Um, basically just completely dismissing this article saying that the, the picture that it painted was, was not in any way fair and that, that this is not the Amazon he knows, I think is, is kind of how Bezos put it. Um, but the thing that I'm struggling with, with, with that sort of stance is it's actually this very last paragraph in the article, um, where the New York times links to a YouTube video. It's a recruiting video. And at some point during the video, uh, the statement is made, you either fit here or you don't, you love it or you don't, there is no middle ground. So and I, I maybe you know you can kind of chime in here, and I can go back. And there's a couple of other phrases in the article from people who were allowed to speak on the record um, that kind of back up that statement. Like, oh, they're almost like in a way that is is agreeing with what's being said here. And you know, maybe maybe that's sort of you know crafted in such a way to to fit a certain agenda, kind of like you've been saying, but. At least quotes like that seem pretty cut and dry that what's being discussed here, at the very least, has some truth to it. I, I think that's absolutely true. Again, I, I, I don't have, I don't know, I think I know one person that, works at, that has worked at Amazon, but I don't have any inside knowledge or anything. But what I think is true based on people who are familiar with the situation is that Amazon has a very competitive and... Uh, uh, like, how how would you say it? Like, they have a very clear and like well documented internal culture of trying to bring out excellence in people and innovate quickly and have kind of a competitive forum for ideas, and that requires a lot out of their employees. And there are certain people who, perhaps. Like maybe I don't think that's the type of culture that everybody will agree with, and not everybody would like working at a company that's like that. Whether or not it, there's like some implied like contract that you have to work all day every day and pull in seventy to ninety hour weeks and be on call at all times, that's a whole different subject. But having a very demanding and competitive work culture is not necessarily a bad thing. 
And I think that is what most people are backing up that you might not like working there if you're used to coddled is the wrong word, but there are, there are certain workplaces or like where all ideas are encouraged and like not criticized. Like, do you know what I mean? I do. Yes. And I think that's, that's what that's saying is that certain people will agree with what, what were, what's the name for their kind of like internal, like companies will always have kind of like these founding sets of principles or something that like, I'm sure every large-ish company has one, but what do, what do they call them? Uh, the Articles of Faith. Was it really called that? I thought it had a different name. Mm, no, it's uh, when you go to Amazon.jobs slash principles. It's really uh, called that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's not helping my case, but okay. Well, I guess, so I, 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 it's not referred to as that on the website. Yeah, that, I think that, that was just another weird charged way that uh, the, the New York Times tried to spin it. Yeah, okay, I think you're right. Where is, I'm trying to find the original article in the Slack. Oh, uh, nope, nope, nope. Oh, there it is. Slack didn't expand that one. But anyway, so like they have those like uh, 13 or 15 like founding principles. And again, like ideas can be challenged or they require people to to work hard. And there's that whole quote from Bezos that you can work uh, like in many places, they allow you to work smart, hard or long. But at Amazon, doing just a couple of them is not an option. I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. I think if certain managers or HR treat people inhumanely, or people are managed out of the business in completely unfair ways. That's something that needs to be addressed. And I think in once a company reaches a certain size, sometimes poor management styles can uh, grow or, or like take hold. And I think that's exactly what came out in the memo, which is he basis acknowledges that they have a culture that demands a lot out of its employees so that they can be the most successful online retailer in the world, but that like a lack of empathy and like ridiculous management policies will not stand. And that should be escalated to HR or himself. So I think his rebuttal or his, his internal memo refuting most of this was extremely well-worded and had the correct spirit. I yeah I I agree. Um, like again, like some of the like the the, the examples are are awful, but I, I'm I don't know. Yeah, I I, I agree. And there, there's actually a, there's an interesting quote also directly from Bezos in the article. Granted, it's from 1997, <laughs> but you know, presumably some of this is sort of part of his core belief system. Uh, the quote is: "You can work long, hard, mm -hmm. or smart, but at Amazon.com, you can't choose two out of three. Exactly. It's it's not easy to work here. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think everything you said is very well put, and I I agree with with all of it. Um, and it, I think I think the way that you framed it's really smart. Where there is two separate issues here. There's the issue of a, a workplace which is very demanding, requires lots of hours, and requires you to really go above and beyond what most workplaces would require. And then there's the issue, really, of you know discrimination and you know in the, in more extreme cases, really like abuse, not physical, but but certainly mental. Um, and they're they're two very different things. And needless to say, the first is 
acceptable and and some people thrive in that type of environment and obviously the second is not and this this article very much seems to try to blend the two as being almost one and the same if that makes sense that's absolutely right and i think that's the main problem with the article because i think it like even if we say that every single anecdote or story in this article is actually true I don't think that condemns the entire company because how many corporate employees does Amazon have? Probably like thirty or sixty thousand. Like it that that's awful, but I, I just don't know. I th- I think the way like the way it's not even well written in the sense that it like it doesn't hide its bias. Like it's very upfront that it's trying to to craft a certain narrative and support it but there's there's all there's so little like even fake or um like ceremonial uh, like even-handedness there's no attempt to look impartial here unless i'm just reading it wrong um well i see i don't entirely agree with that because there are some some quotes in here um, that that do come directly from Amazon employees. Well, no, and, and here's They're, the thing. Sorry, I have one right here where it says, uh, many employees are motivated by thinking big and knowing we haven't scratched the surface of what's out there to invent, said some employee, a retail executive who was one of those permitted to speak. Like every single piece that could be construed as positive or like even a counterpoint is is like trailed off with this weird thing like the company is, is evil and they don't want you to to hear anything. Like they're mad that they didn't get Bezos on the record for any of this. That could be, but there are a lot of very concrete examples. You know, there there's an example kind of in the the middle middle of the article where um, a former employee talks about how just being a mother gave her a uh, put her at a huge disadvantage within the company, um, and she she was basically told that you know people who didn't have children could work harder, work longer hours and, you know, could basically compete with her for her job. And her manager told her, told her this verbatim. And, you know, the, the manager confirmed that this happened. So I I think that the challenge, the challenge really is with all of this um, is is determining whether incidents like this and the other examples that are being provided in the article are one-off, isolated cases, or whether this is something that's pervasive throughout the company. Correct. And that's, you know, I, I kind of started this whole discussion by being a little skeptical of, you know, Bezos's response. And I, I don't... I don't disagree with you that the article has a clear agenda, um, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not willing just to accept the statement that everything that's talked about here is just you know again isolated incidents like it, and and that's and that's not what I'm saying either. Uh, like I I think even though I think it's it's shoddy reporting or I think it's it's not it it did not it didn't hold up its end of the like it didn't have any level it it didn't do its job in trying to present both sides of the story 
but I think this kind of reporting gets the conversation started and forces the company to perhaps take a closer look at what might be an unreasonable number of isolated incidents, even though it's a company with tens of thousands of employees. So I think it still serves a purpose. I just think it could have been done better that doesn't look quite so unreasonably biased. Yes, that that is fair. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, you just uh, it's 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 tricky because again, like most, uh, I assume many technology companies are like this, where they're working their butts off to to be agile businesses that are able to stay competitive. And I don't know. I, I assume it is it is tough, and I think that attracts a certain type of of worker. I don't know, and I and I assume there are certain people who do thrive on this type of uh, pressure. This doesn't sound like a place I would succeed at. So. No, and you know, so one of the really interesting things that this article does highlight is it seems like Amazon's very forthcoming with with this. Like when when candidates are being interviewed, and then when they go through, you know, orientation at the, the very start of their career, Amazon makes it no secret that this is a place that's going to demand lots of hard work, lots of long hours. And I, I'm with you that that's not the type of environment that I enjoy, and. You know, assuming for a minute that these kind of uh, these abusive incidents are are isolated and are really not part of the company culture, and that really a more fair picture to paint would be this is just a very demanding environment. Um, you know, quite quite frankly, that that part of it, the 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 demanding environment, that's that's okay because. You know, you have the choice whether you want to work there or not. And if that's not your type of environment, so be it. Um, and just being angry at that doesn't make sense to me because you don't work there if, if that's what you don't want. Like being being upset that a company offers that type of environment, which some people do like, you know, that that again, that, that doesn't make sense. Um and I think that that's what's really important is is to really separate those two things. Very well put. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's a difficult subject all around. But you know, I just think it's it's more complex than than it was presented as. Yeah, I, f- I feel like in in some ways, certainly not not to the extent our friends at at Uber have have made it. But Amazon, in some ways, has become a company which is kind of hard to like um oh why'd you have to compare them to uber that's <laughs> because uh, i don't mean to put them on the same level as uber i in no way do i think they're okay they're like that but um yeah it it, it is i i completely agree because it's because you can't deny, like, I, uh, that's a good analogy. Was was that originally yours? Between Uber and Amazon? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it written anywhere. Fanta- then bravo. <laughs> because, it, like, the more I think about it, it does have just kind of an insane number of, of, of parallels. Like, they, they're, they're a technology company that works that, like, whose customer-facing presence is in the physical world. And they innovate very, very quickly. They try new things all the time. And they operate on probably what's a very low margin or potentially negative margin, uh, like commerce model. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. But that they're 
actual like line level employees are potentially not compensated. That's that's good. Hmm. I'm just gonna let that sit there. It's um yeah it's it's a it's a crappy thing because I feel like to further the analogy, Amazon and Uber are the best at what they do, and they continue to get better all the time. And I think Amazon's way less evil, though. I agree, but I mean, like, but if you could just leave it at that, like, if you, if you could just in, just be a half decent company and be the best at what you do, I mean, it's it's a win win for everybody. It's a win for the employees. It's a win for the customers. It's a win for shareholders. Everyone wins. But you know that that's what we've talked about on this show with Uber is how it's just it's so frustrating that they do all the stupid stuff they do because if they could just cut out even half of that stuff they'd be a company that everybody loves um and i guess i guess the the analogy i that or what made me really think of the kind of the connection between amazon and uber is i don't want amazon to become uber like i i don't want this negative i don't want these negative stories to keep coming out like i don't want two weeks from now for us to find out about some other part of the company, which is totally broken. I mean, it, it, and if that if that's happening, I want it to come out. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that way, but I'm, I'm just, I just hope that I hope that Amazon's not that type of company. Well, I think there kind of already is. I think you should probably read more about the uh, the the warehousing side of the business. Just <sighs> because on that one, it seems there's a couple of like key point like it seems like in certain warehouses they will operate on a very kind of strict um temporary employee basis so that they're able to just churn through employees and they build warehouses in uh and distribution centers in markets that are like in the center of all their customers sure but also the ones that are like less economically well off so that there's the cheapest labor there's a whole lot of on that side of things where that might be worth researching because I haven't researched it enough, but of the articles I've read, which I'm sure are also biased, that that's not um, super awesome. Yeah. Hmm. What's a company we can feel good about? Hmm. Slack. Yes. I, they, man, they are, they hire everybody who's great. Yeah. And they're just, just such a, such a great product. Mm hmm. I really, really like Slack. I've been, we've been using, uh, been using Slack more at work, and just, just love it. Yeah, I just hmm. do, like again, since we only use this for uh, creative stuff, you know, in the workplace, do you find that it really cuts down on ne- unnecessary email as much as many people suggest? Totally, a hundred percent. We've been using it for a project we've been working on, and we really almost we all, I almost get no email related to this project. Because, Fantastic. you know, most of the communication that I have with our engineering team, the the head of which is in New York, um, is all just done through Slack. And nice. yeah, it's, it's really great. How much uh, reaction emoji have you sent? Uh, I, I, I still haven't. I haven't really fully embraced that yet. Uh, crap. How do you do it? Uh, yeah, to, I don't actually don't the, even. I don't actually don't even think I remember how to do it off the top. You, of my you head. have to click the gear and add a reaction, and then uh, poop emoji. Okay, or, or you can do your number one plus thing, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Sure. All right. So yeah, hey, a good spin. Now, now I'm back in a happy place. <laughs> how how do I? So you speaking of a happy place, you just, you put this ridiculous cat gif gif 
into the Slack. Are you, are you going to edit out the part where you said Jeff? Please no. do. No. Uh, how do I? How do, how do I make this stop? Oh, I guess I, I right. I right click and hit pause. Okay, there we go. Well, how many times did you let it loop? I <laughs> too many. Uh, oh man, sorry. Um, okay, I, I think I think we happy after the Amazon. Stuff. We did. I, I think I think we set our piece on the Amazon stuff. Um, what else do we have before we go into like an hour of Apple stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, it is going to be like an hour, isn't it? Um, I'm kind of flipping through the, flipping through the sack that there was, there was the, the piece on, uh, from Forbes, the whole five minutes early is on time, on time oh, yeah. is late, late is unacceptable. I wanted to know what you think about that. Because so, we, yeah, so you, you asked that question when you sent the link and I, I thought about it and like, I like I like what I like what it's saying. So can you explain like explain what's going on? Well, I mean I th- I think it's it's not a very original idea, right? It's it's the idea that being being late is incredibly rude and kind of just disrespectful. Um and you know, I I completely agree with that. And you know, as as I can't say this in any way that's just not kind of talking up myself so sorry but it's 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 kind of objectively true uh as someone who is sort of consistently one of the only people who is always on time and i I would i would put you in this category as well for what that's worth um it is very frustrating when people are late and i i do i do get very frustrated with that i've tried to let it roll off me a little bit more but in general I, i do find it to be incredibly frustrating so um, what about the other two so that that's kind of where that's where this article i think maybe takes it a step too far like i i do not agree with the notion that being on time is late and that being five minutes early is on time i that that i think takes it too far so for me i agree that being late is generally unacceptable and that being on time is is extremely important especially for uh like newer situations or things where like other people you perhaps haven't met yet are relying on you. But the whole five minutes early is on time. I actually think that's more rude, which is like if you have a meeting with somebody or you have something to do, arriving early is in a lot of ways kind of disrespectful. Like you're, you're, you had a set time to do something and now you're encroaching on somebody else's free time or when they have other things to do. Does that make sense? Hmm. It, it does. I, I, I like that. Like, just like if, like, you had a meeting with somebody and they're, like, outside, I don't know what your working situation is, but if they're outside your office or your cubicle or they're standing at your desk, like, oh, when when are we going to do this? And you're like, no, you're eight minutes early. Like, that, you have stuff to do. So, no, like, I think you should, like, if you're driving someplace or you have to be somewhere, sure, be a little bit early, but you should maybe be at that person's door or you should arrive at the meeting maybe a minute or two before. I don't know. The whole being early is on time thing is the part of that that uh, struck me, uh as being completely flat out wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean flat out wrong I think is is strong because again I I, mean, I, I think I you do... should be early on your own, but I don't think you should expect other people to accommodate you for being early. Like if I'm going to a place where I need to be there, I will arrive a half hour early and I'll go do something, I'll read in my car, I'll I'll do something. But I I I assume just get having other people accommodate you because you have to be early to something bugs me. Yeah, it's, I guess I hadn't thought about this until the point that you just made, but I guess I, I'm more um, 
I'm kind of more prepared to agree with this article if we're only talking about like meeting in a neutral site, <laughs> you know, like if we're going like going to some offsite venue or a coffee shop or whatever. Um, but if it's just like a conference room in your office or your desk at, at your office, then yeah, that that is kind of a different thing. Yeah. And again, uh, just there's certain judge it by the the situation and the circumstance and who it's with and how important it is but yeah i i do not think being on time uh, early is on time mm. i i agree with that yeah but sometimes i do need to work on my uh my uh punctuality but yeah oh that's 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 not been my experience no bay area traffic is, is nuts sometimes true it is and that's where i i hate i hate being unavoidably late sometimes it's because I've made every effort, but it still wasn't enough sometimes. I run into that uh, with the public transportation that I take. Um, you know, sure enough, it, the day where I have to be somewhere at a certain time is like the day that there's some mechanical problem on BART. And again, there's no fault to your own, and, and you made reasonable accommodations, and it just is out of your control, but you still feel like crap. Right. Exactly. Mm. All right. Um, I, I think that's, um, that's about it. I do, I do want to get to the, the iPhone battery stuff, but I think we can kind of maybe bake that into just the Apple discussion in general. All right. So for people listening at home, uh, turn the tape over to side B. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how many minutes, uh, an audio cassette holds, but Jesus, it's gonna be forever. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be, um, I think this is going to be our last chance to speculate on what Apple's going to announce at their, their fall event. Um, we had, who, who was the, who was the one who broke it this year? Um, the, the September 9th date. I think anybody with a calendar. Well, but I, there was someone who, who oh, confirmed well, Wednesday. it. That's weird. Yeah. But there, there mm-hmm. was, it was confirmed in a way that from someone who, is kind of always right about this stuff. I can't think of who it is now. It wasn't was it, was it, was it German? I don't think it was German. Was it um, the 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 other guy, Pajwaski or um, the the former Recode guy, or is he still the Recode guy? Yeah, it's like Paz something. Y- yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, we we really really crushed that there. Well, no, what's it? it it's a really unusual name. Yeah. Anyway, so it's this is this is basically been confirmed. So this, this we're you know we're sitting here again, August nineteenth. We're we're going to take it as truth, even though the invites have not gone out. We're going to take it as truth that September 9th is going to be Apple's fall event. And so if if that holds true, uh, this is going to be our last opportunity to speculate on what we think we're going to see at that event. Wildly, <laughs> yes. Um. So. I guess start with the, the we'll start with the ten thousand foot overview of, of what we're gonna see. So <laughs> you, you've been taking too many meetings. I, I God, I have been. That's so true. Um, so we're gonna that. <laughs> we're gonna see new new iPhones. Uh, we you are think? going. <laughs> I, I do. I'm really gonna go out on a limb there. Uh, unlike in previous years, it sounds like we're going to see new iPads at this event, as opposed to there being a separate October event. And we're going to see a new Apple TV sort of like in the form of a, you know, one more thing kind of announcement, um, which, you know, I, it kind of seems like a lot for one event. Um, and it, it you know, so if, 
if that's true, <laughs> I think it it does lead it does lead me to really think that these these new iPhones, the six plus and six super plus, I I don't know whatever whatever these things are called, the six um, S plus. Yeah, I get I are really not going to be all that interesting. So, I mean, the rumors have been we're going to get force touch. We'll get an improved camera. We'll, of course, get an improved processor. And I think that I think that might be the end of the story. So maybe maybe we'll start there. I mean, do, do you think do you think these new these new iPhones, that's going to be kind of all there is to say about them? Yeah, I think that that seems to be it. I think there've already been uh uh pipeline like uh part leaks and that the casing is essentially exactly the same. So it's definitely going to be a, a success rather than a more um like overhauled iPhone 7. And yeah, the Force Touch that seems to be uh like the most common rumor, although I don't really see the benefit of it because the software development can't really like they can't make all that stuff mandatory, so it's gonna be really ha- poorly implemented for the first couple of years. And then the camera is supposed to get a little bit better, but didn't Gruber suggest that this would not be the generation where it gets a lot better? Yeah, so I think he he's alluded to that he's heard that there there's some inner workings within Apple that's really focused on taking that next big leap with the camera. Focused, and he, I like it. He had, <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. Um, he he had kind of speculated that we might see this on you know this year's phone, but he he has since retracted that and said that this, that would be more of like a, you know, if we're on the whole TikTok schedule, that would be more on the the tick side. Yeah, so I mean, it, hopefully it'll get a little bit better, but I'm not really sure what they can do. Like the high speed motion for the video is very nice, um, but like Apple's generally never played the megapixel race, and even that eight megapixels, the photos still look pretty great on my iPhone six. So I'm not really sure what they would do if there isn't like a big um, lens or sensor um, improvement, which it sounds like there won't be. I mean, it'll, it'll it'll be my guess would be the the standard updates that we've gotten over the years, where it'll be better in low light, faster burst mode, you know, stuff around the stuff around the edges. Um, so that's, and then you know another rumor that had been floating around out there for a while is that we would get some type of like iphone 6c or or really some type of new four inch um iphone with you know updated internals and i don't think so so yeah so marco marco made a really good point on atp a couple weeks ago and i i'm a total champion of this belief too so i kind of shame on me for not thinking about this independently which is of course there's not going to be because if there were it would have leaked out already because like you had mentioned with the iPhone, you know, 6S or whatever this thing is, I mean, this thing's, the parts on this have been leaking out for months, which is, this happens every single year for, for iPhone announcements. You know, Apple, Apple hasn't released an iPhone or any piece of hardware that hasn't substantially leaked out in forever. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a single component that's leaked out for any sort of updated four inch iPhone. So yeah, of course there's not going to be one. So, I mean, for me, I think my rundown would be there's going to be a new iPhone 6S uh, and a 6S Plus. They're going to keep the 16, 64, 128 capacities because just why not? They don't care. Um, and then the iPhone 6 will probably slot down where the 5S is, and then the 5C goes away forever, and the 5S becomes the new $450 phone because it won't be the free on contract phone because nobody's doing that anymore, um, which is a whole other topic, but we won't get into that. 
Well, I actually, I, I was going to say that's the last thing I kind of want to get into. Okay, well, we'll talk about that generally. But okay. um, yeah, I, I think the 5S, like I think a four-inch phone stays around, but I think unfortunately Apple, like I think people like me, like I really, really, really loved my 5S and I was resistant to the larger screen size on the 6, but over time, I don't think I could go back to it. So like the allure of making a higher-end four-inch phone, I think isn't like when you think about it long term like i don't think it actually makes as much sense as i as as we might have thought when the six just came out so i think it's going to be just the new generation of phones and just kind of the old system where they just keep getting slotted down a rung until one falls off and this is the iphone's 5c's year because i don't think it i I, or actually i'm sure of it it did not sell as well as they expected and it just it was it was a weird funky product and all I have to say is I really, really hope they don't make the iPhone 5S an 8-gigabyte phone. They just better not. And they probably will. But they, <laughs> I, I, say, I, would, I wouldn't bet against that. Just what are they doing? Because that means it's 5 gigabytes of usable space when it's formatted and the operating system's on it. So that's, that's madness. Like, hell, I, like I, I really think they're going to stay with 16, but I, even though they really shouldn't. But that's nuts. And I think I'm going to have to go 128 on the next one, and that's, and that's a bummer. So actually, so before we get to the pricing stuff, which I guess is how we'll close this out, that actually that is another topic that I had been meaning to kind of ask you about. I so where where am I at with my? I'm, I should look at this on my iPhone. I feel like I'm kind of like in this awkward. Um, let's see about yeah. So I have I have 16 gigabytes available currently on my 64 gigabyte iPhone, but I feel like that number's been kind of rapidly declining over the last few months. Um, and so I, I don't like, I, I feel like I'm going to end up in this weird spot where I could probably get by with 64 for like another year, but like 128 would be better. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, it feels like I would just barely go over the 64 and I'd have way too much extra space on the 128. So I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of caught in between those two sizes. Unfortunately for me, I, I think it's it's about the same. Like on my iPad, I actually on my sixty four gig iPad have run out of space, which which I, I never thought would actually happen. And then on the phone, I've been fluctuating between ten and twenty gigabytes free, but that's also with now using iTunes Match and iCloud Photo Library to the point where a lot of my media isn't actually stored locally on it anymore. Hmm. So I, I, I think unfortunately I have to go one twenty eight the next go around. Which, again, I know I'm not the average user, but that's what just kills me that anybody thinks they could survive with 16, let alone the fact that Apple's probably going to cheap out and go to 8 gigabytes on the 5S. Yeah. Yeah. Although, whenever the, uh, my iPad Pro comes out, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll just switch out the Air 2 for that and get the 128. Well, hold, hold that thought. Um, okay, so the, the last thing with the iPhone is pricing. So... Um, the, the, some stuff has come out in the last few weeks, focusing on the fact that you carriers now are really pushing these kind of like plans where you don't really pay for the phone in one lump sum up front. Instead, you, you pay for it like in, well, I work, work with me here. So you, you pay for it in monthly installments. Um, so there, there really isn't a very clear like, hey, you sign a two-year contract, this is the price you pay kind of 
pr- program like we've had in the U.S. forever. And that's, you know, when Apple's on stage, that's sort of the, the price that they highlight. They say, oh, hey, you betcha. <laughs> yeah, they say, hey, the new iPhone starting at 199 and then in some tiny little font somewhere, it says with two-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and participating carriers for certain right. supply. <laughs> um, we, I, should, I should find a way to, like, speed up that that part. I probably won't figure that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so what does Apple do? You think do they do they just stick with with what they've done, even though that's the price that fewer and fewer people are actually going to pay? Or I think this is this is a really weird. Like, so again, you, we have to realize, or, or uh, just make people aware that the United States doesn't really matter all that much in the in the grand scheme of things. In terms of like, we're the first, we're the launch market, and we're generally like one of the most influential markets in terms of like the design decisions that are made for a phone. But in terms of sales volume, we are not leading it. The United, the, the United States does not matter. So we are transitioning in the United States to a model of phone subsidization that no longer includes a subsidy. Like in the old days, you got your six to $800 iPhone generally at like a four to $500 discount based on doing a long-term uh, service commitment with your wireless carrier. And now most carriers, um, and this got kind of kicked off by T-Mobile. They're the first ones who kind of dove headfirst into uh, removing all subsidies from phones, having users either bring their own device, pay full price for it, or split it up over time on their bill, uh, but instead just giving them less expensive service. And that's what um, uh, Verizon has done and Sprint is about to do before the end of the year. And AT&T is trying to push. They're doing it gradually. They're pulling the option out of Apple stores first. And then they'll eventually go all in and get rid of contracts for non-business accounts. So it has the really it has a, a very immediate effect of is disambiguating the right word? Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is making uh, customers aware of what phones actually cost. Like I don't understand why customers haven't discovered it before. In the sense that why does an iPad cost four to nine hundred dollars? And an iPhone costs like 200 And also, why does an iPod Touch cost more than an iPhone? Because it's subsidized by your phone company. And in the old days, your plan was just more expensive because the phone company wasn't doing it out of the kindness of their heart. They were doing it because you were, you were guaranteeing revenue over the course of a two-year period, and you had a cancellation fee if you broke it before then. So the subsidy is just getting moved around. You're just now paying the closer to the true cost of service but you're either buying your phone outright or you're splitting it up on your monthly plan, which is a way fairer way to do it. But Americans will are and will be very resistant to the fact that they now understand that they're buying phones that cost between five and $800. And I think, and also like with your, with your cell phone plan, that also means that you benefit by not upgrading as frequently. Like the plans are more flexible in the sense that you can get new phones whenever you want to because there's no service contract. But also, once you, like if you choose to do one of those installment plan things, once you've had the phone for two years, your bill just gets cheaper because that installment plan falls off. So you're going to think way harder about whether or not you really want to upgrade to that newer phone because your bill is going to be between 20 and $40 more expensive when you choose to do that. There's no more, oh, I'm going to pay $200 once and I got my new fancy phone every two years. So uh, that, I think, is going to be a problem for Apple. Not immediately, but longer term, the iPhone will probably move to more of an iPad-ish-like upgrade cycle 
because people will understand that they're spending six to eight hundred dollars every two years on this new phone, even though they kind of were before and just didn't realize it. Americans are weird with money. Yeah, that, that, that seems like a really tough transition to make here. But how is it? Because again, like, like I don't know if you've looked at your AT and T mobile value share plan or, or whatever the hell they call it, and whether or not you have any lines out of contract or if you've been using partial subsidies or not. But like your service gets quite a bit cheaper if you elect to stay out of contract. And if you do the math, which again, most people don't want to do, it it works out. But just people do not like seeing the full price of things. Well, at least not with phones, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think they stick with their traditional pricing uh presentation for now. But, but I But how? I, but because if it's if it's a if it's if the keynote's happening in the United States and that is not the price that the vast majority of people will see. How on earth is that? Well, I was that's nuts. I was looking at, I was looking at this today or yesterday on AT and T's website, and there is still like, hey, here's the price you pay with a new two year contract. It's not it's, not for long. It's it's buried down there, but I think as long as that option exists somewhere, they'll. they'll but the stick thing, with this but the thing is, AT and T. I I don't know when it's happening or if it's already happened, but. They're now in Apple retail stores and also on Apple's website, no longer offering subsidized subsidized devices on AT and T. So even though AT and T offers it, the Apple store doesn't, and that strikes me as really weird. If they're advertising a price you can't get in Apple stores, yeah, actually, yeah, that that was that was a point that was made recently, and I was I was thinking like, am I am I not going to be able to buy the new iPhone directly from Apple? No. Not if you want to continue on a tier contract, which again, I mean, you're you're good at math. <laughs> you you might not want to, but because when does when when does your existing contract burn off? Uh well, I renewed it when I bought the six, so oh, okay. it'd be September of 2016. Sure. So yeah, I, I really yeah, that's a good point, but I really don't think that they are going to advertise it. In the old subsidized fashion, but it's interesting as I, I don't know what they will do instead. Hmm. I don't think they're going to say, and it's available at a very reasonable monthly price from your preferred cell phone provider. That sounds <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah, that's tricky. I, I hope I, I hope I can buy the new iPhone directly from Apple. I'm be kind of bummed if I can't. But again, you can at full price. Should I really do that though? Why not? Well, because for the next year, I'll still be paying as if I'm on a contract. Hmm. Say again? Well, because I'll still have, I'll still be in my two-year contract through the next year. Mm-hmm. So I'll still have to pay the in-a-contract price, but then I'll have a non-subsidized phone. But again, hasn't AT&T tightened up on those half subsidies anyway? I don't know. I think they have. Maybe. And that was only a two hundred dollar discount, anyway, right? I forget. I, I, I generally speaking, when I sell my old iPhone on eBay, it ends up being net net not too bad, and that's kind of what matters. So, sure. Anyway, anyway okay. I, th- I think that's I think that's everything with the iPhone. I, I don't I don't really I think everything you summarized is spot on. I will I think we'll see a new color. I think like the rose gold thing's been thrown out mm-hmm. there. That that seems. Yeah, sure. Why not? If there, like if there was a red would one, would you buy it? No, I don't think so. Not like a nice product red. Hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. 
and, and just before we move away, um, a force touch. Do you think it's going to matter? I think um, the the part about force touch that I like is the haptic feedback. Not so much like the, the haptic feedback on what, like any touch, potentially. Because that seems like that wasn't wasn't that a thing on old, like older devices, and that was really annoying. No, like I was using a friend's um, new Galaxy Edge. I don't know if it's the Plus or not. I forget. But it it has haptic feedback, and it, it's nice. It feels mm. feels good. Okay. But in terms of like using it like Apple Watch like, I really don't think it's going to make a big difference just because they can't design it. Just because so few people would have that, so there's no way they could put like important menu items underneath that. So, well, there was there's a good summary on Nine to Five Mac that that kind of speculated slash had people in the know um, describing how this was going to work, and some of the examples they used were were really smart, like in the Maps application. You could force touch on a location, which would instantly then give you turn-by-turn directions as opposed to having to, like, tap on the pin and click on, I think it's, like, two other buttons to then get to turn-by-turn directions. So little things like that could be pretty neat. Hmm. We'll see. I, I think you said this near the top, which was it'll be something that in the first year or two isn't going to be consistently used and isn't really going to be all that helpful, but then maybe over time developers start to figure it out and it, it does become something that's integral to the os sure all right um, so i so, so ipads i guess yes. um so the, i guess the consensus rumor now is we are not going to see a new ipad air but we will see new ipad minis which will internally become very similar to the current ipad air 2 and then we will also get the long-awaited, for some people, uh, iPad Pro, which will be, what, 12 point, is it 12.9 inches? That's the rumored size? 12 point something inches. Sounds about right. Um, so are, does any, is anything about this excite you? You, you sound interested in an iPad Pro. Kind of, but <laughs> over the past hour, I've thought not. Just because, uh, I don't know, again, I went from the 13-inch MacBook Pro to the Mac, uh, or whatever the hell this thing is, um, this Frankenstein machine. But, like, the larger screen is nice, but, and I think the multitasking and kind of, like, advanced user features of iOS 9 that are coming to the iPad to make it more of a productivity device are very nice. I think the only, but I don't really see the benefit of the iPad Pro unless it has two features. Or, or hardware accessories, which means it either has a stylus that works well for pen input, for writing on screen and or drawing, and that it has a first-party uh, keyboard accessory. Otherwise, it I don't see the advantages over the Air 2 because I my complaint about the ability to get work done on the iPad are mainly software limitations, not screen size limitations. So if they had a really well-designed and well-integrated like uh, keyboard or a, like input method, that would make a big difference and would probably obviate the uh, MacBook Pro a bit more and the, like a pressure-sensitive um, stylus that rejected like uh, regular touches would be an important addition. But otherwise, no, I don't see any reason to get it, at least for me. Hmm. Yeah, I. it seems to me really... It's going to have to have something like the rumored stylus in order for it to really 
separate itself from the existing iPad lineup. I really don't think a three-inch bump in the screen size compared to the iPad Air 2 is all that compelling. It doesn't it doesn't really seem like there's a ton you could do on a 12.9-inch screen that you couldn't do on the existing, was it 9.7-inch screen? Mm-hmm. Exactly, other, other than it would be more difficult to carry around. Yeah, right. So again, um, it needs either like uh, like something that's Microsoft type coverish, and or a, a very very good stylus that allows like it to open itself up to new productivity applications. And I, my my first impression too is that it's it feels like this thing's going to be pretty expensive because even the you know the iPad Air two fully spec'd out gets pretty pricey, mm-hmm. and it feels like the I mean the, there's got to be a probably a pretty big premium especially like if the stylus is a pack-in it won't be come on this is apple they're gonna make an eight gigabyte 5s yeah but if it's a if the stylus is like the marquee feature they'll still make it separate uh, the the smart they don't even include a smart cover i mean yeah they they act like that's a required (laughs) accessory for it you're you're totally right yeah like i love apple sometimes but (laughs) no you're right um yeah, it, yeah. I mean, this thing's going to be pretty expensive because it's like the iPad I got with the sixty-four gig was cellular. That's seven thirty. So yeah. it seems like with an iPad Pro, I think probably maybe the Wi-Fi only entry level model would start at maybe six ninety-nine. Yeah, maybe. So then it so to get like a decent one with cellular, it's going to be a, a grand. Jeez. And plus, and then you add on one twenty-nine for the stylus. That was outstanding. I was because uh, I'm like, nope, seventy nine dollars is too cheap. A hundred's not right. One thirty, <laughs> that's it. Yep. And then the and the keyboard's probably two hundred because it's it's got leather stitching on the back or some bullshit. Yeah. So the, there, through the the FCC had a leaked, well, not leaked because these are just public filings of a new Apple Bluetooth keyboard. That seems like that's that's probably. But did it look like a case as well? They they didn't the FCC guidelines didn't have to publish any specifications about its like physical dimensions or anything. Oh, it was all gotcha. just about, all just about the radio. Gotcha. So I think some people have speculated that yeah maybe this is a new keyboard which has like the iPad in mind. It might you know might have some like keyboard shortcut keys or something to better support the the iPad. Maybe like function keys that will better support the iPad better. And, and I think the. The customizations they're making to iOS nine for the iPad productivity stuff suggests that, right? Because again, like it's getting better, but also like in particular the uh, command tab thing. Like I don't think they're doing that just for everybody like me that has like the Logitech keyboard case thingy. I think that's for a first party type thing. Right. Yeah, I I, I think that's right. Um, and then yeah, the other, I don't, the... I, I don't know, like the 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 looking at a thousand dollar ipad i mean and i i'm i'm not one of those people that's like oh apple products are super overpriced blah 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 like i'm not i'm not trying to be that guy well but... no i i just think that you acknowledge the limited utility that an ipad presents so have it being your third most used computing device spending a grand on that is a tough sell right which is a, which is a really good segue into the other thing that i've been thinking about is if the ipad minis get updated because I, I think that's what i still want to stick with is the ipad mini i, I do really oh, it's, like it's so small i do really like the form factor though because i use it primarily for reading and it, for reading I, I find that size to be really ideal um 
But you know, as as I've mentioned on the show, particularly with iOS nine, it, it just re- it just really doesn't run very well. And I and so I'm kind of trying to figure out if if there's a way I can justify upgrading to the new mini because the rumor too is that it's it's going to get like the full like split screen view and all that kind of stuff like the, with multitasking and all basically everything that the ipad air 2 already supports on that screen though like like split screen seems like that would be really tough on that one like running two independent applications on a seven inch display not really i mean hmm. yeah sure it wouldn't be as good as on like the ipad air 2 or on this ipad pro or whatever um, but I think it'd still be doable. Hmm. You, do you think that's what it's going to be called, the iPad Pro? Mm. I think so. Uh, actually, actually, yes, just because I'm like, uh, Pro is a silly name, but MacBook Pro and Mac Pro. So, oh, and so, Apple, so, so mean, yes. And yeah, Apple's all about the silly names. <laughs> the funnest iPod ever. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I think so. And I'll, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm going to upgrade. I guess that's my personal takeaway is is going to be whether or not whether or not I upgrade my mini because I do think the improved performance would be really nice. I think the true multitasking would be a a, a good thing to have, but. I don't know. It's it being my third most used computing device, as you put it. Um, it seems like a tough thing to justify. Fourth, if you include the the work laptop. I was just thinking that. I get like I don't know. It, it's it's tough because because I want to use it, and I and I do think it is hands down the best reading device. But I generally just leave it at home because I can't get enough work done on it. Like when I was reading that Amazon article, like I I picked uh, I started on my on on the iPad at home, and then I finished it up on the iPhone. I'm like, oh, this is not nearly as good, but it just never ends up getting in my bag. So I don't know. It's 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 challenging. <sighs> I I I'll probably upgrade, uh, mostly because s- similar to the iPhones, the iPads hold their resale value really well. So. It ends up not being too big of an investment, but but we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll know in uh, two few uh, two short weeks. Yes, two and a half. Um, so then, I guess the the last area is the uh, Apple TV. I mean, I guess we should we could also say that obviously at this event they'll reiterate what's new in um, El Capitan. They'll they'll invite Drake up for an update on music. <laughs> Probably, right. Jimmy Jimmy Iovine uh, will <laughs> say some ridiculous stuff and do a lot of hand waving. Uh, um so, so they'll they'll do that. They'll talk about watch OS two again. They'll they'll give, you know, release dates, which will probably be shortly thereafter um for both of those. iOS nine as well. Um, so a- after all this, I think is then we'll get into the, the Apple TV part, which I, I do think will probably be the whole, the one more thing of the announcement. Mm-hmm. So a uh, 52 inch backlit LED <laughs> flat screen display. That's the most beautiful and elegant television set you've ever used. G Munster will just, just be beside himself. <laughs> if he's in the audience and that actually happened, like <laughs> he would have to just run out screaming, right? <laughs> And 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 they they'd have to if they assuming they live stream this thing they they'd have to show it. 
Tim Cook is. Or, I know Apple's too big of a company, but I would love just a fake slide that just said, "Yes, Gene, we're making a real TV," and then actually, no, we're not. Get yeah, complete uh, side note. Uh, going back just the iPad for a second, it's it's related though. So, it, it, assuming the iPad Pro has a stylus, do you think they'll in any way reference the the famous Steve Jobs quote? No, because I think he was talking about a phone. Okay. Well, no, yeah. I know, I know he was, and I I, I understand that sentiment because I did rewatch that video today because somebody linked me to it, and also I did like this thing, uh, like, oh, uh, why would you have a stylus? You got to take them out. You got to put them back. Like his whole like <laughs> his his fake thing about why it was such a bad idea. I'm like, that's not very compelling, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I don't think they will because I think yes, and I a, a stylus is completely impractical on a phone. Well, it wasn't back in the day, but it is now. And on certain Samsung phones, it isn't. But on a tablet, I think it's different because that could be like because the stylus would be much more for content creation, and that's something that would happen on a ten or a thirteen inch display, not a four inch display, and sure as hell not a three and a half inch display on a phone in two thousand seven. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I I agree. I I don't think they'll reference it either. But it's a good video though. But it just it it shows his whole his showmanship of just saying ridiculous things, and you're just like, ah, that's a good point, and you're like, no, no, it's not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. So I, I derailed us from the, uh, the iPad or so, iPad, so the, the, iPad the, the iPad TV, uh, the, the Gene Munster mobile, uh, right? Where we're just making up, making up new products left and right. Oh, the Gene Munster mobile. That's the name of the Apple Car. Okay. Ooh. Wait. Oh, that, that that's the next big thing, or the, or the sorry, the one more thing. Oh, we're gonna see. We're see the Apple Car. Yes, <laughs> in in uh in your your local Apple dealership uh, starting yeah. September twenty eighth. What if they did do it? and It was just a Ford Fiesta with CarPlay in it, and that, <laughs> and that was their Motorola rocker. Oh man, oh, that'd be so good. And they'd have to do the lime green one because why not? Because because it's the most it's the it's it's the most fun color we've ever done. <laughs> No, no pun intended with the Fiesta name. <laughs> Pretty good. I'm so tired that I don't even remember that. Uh, uh, two hours, ten minutes. Jesus. All right. Um, yeah, this will, Apple this TV. Will, well, but this will be edited down to probably thirty minutes. <laughs> I'm sure. Cut out all the <laughs> the driver stuff. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so what what is the the prevailing rumor? Is it still like a hockey puck device that just is more extensible? Like, what yeah, do people so the, think? So the rumor, the rumors have consistently referred to this as a slimmer box, which I which I love because you don't see it, <laughs> right? The, the the existing box is already really small, and like who who cares if it? I I can't wait if during the announcement they highlight it. It's like three quarters of an inch thinner. I w- I would love if they highlight that as being a feature. No, they would say like it's thirty percent uh, smaller by volume. Who yeah. cares? I I would I'm gonna I'm gonna love when they do that. That's gonna be great. I would love it if they said no, it got bigger. Forget it. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know that's sorry derailing us again. That this one of the iPhone rumors that's gotten a little bit of traction recently is that the six S will be like maybe a millimeter or two thicker to support a bigger battery. And 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 get rid of the camera hump, please. Yeah, please. that'd be that'd be kind of neat. It won't. But and it would and it would fix the absolutely awful iPhone battery life that you and I have been experiencing lately, which we wish we meant to tie into that iPhone. Discussion. Sorry, we're, we're going to sidetrack on this because this is really pissing me off. So, the, what's what's the deal with the battery? 
I, I'm not one of those people that ever talks about planned obsolescence or any of that kind of stuff. But I got my iPhone 6 in November. And like all of a sudden, three weeks ago, the battery life has just gone to absolute crap. Like it, like I take it off the charger at like six or seven in the morning, dead by two. And I had to go buy a Mophie case that has literally doubled the, doubled the size of my phone. I now basically carry an iPhone 6 Plus with me. And like it, it's madness. And I haven't done anything. So I am in exactly the same position. I, in the last month or so, have noticed that even like, so I, I'll take my phone off the charger, same thing, about seven o'clock. And by the time I get to the office, a couple of hours later, I'm at usually like between 70 and 80% with very, very light usage. Like usually I'm just kind of like listening to podcasts going into work. And then, you know, I have a dock on my desk. So, you know, for me, I don't really ever let it get too low, but there have been a couple of days where I've had like consistent back to back to back meetings and same kind of thing by mid afternoon. I mean, I'm hovering pretty close to the red. Um, and, you know, I'm getting ready to do some traveling here. And I, I broke down and, and bought a battery case, which I hate. I had one for my 5 and 5S. You know, I used it on occasion. But every time I used it, I, I hated it. It adds so much bulk. It makes the phone just feel weird, like ergonomically. It, it's just, it's awful. You have to have a stupid extension cable thing to use the headphone jack. Like, well, which, the, which one did you get? Because the earpods work with my Mophie. You just have, like, it, it fits. You just have to be careful with it. I got the, the Amazon did a crazy deal on one of the ones that the wire cutter recommended. Um, it was like 30 bucks. So okay. it was whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, have you gone to the point where you've uh, restored it? Cause I don't think that's going to do anything, but I haven't done it yet. No, I, when I was, when I had that whole big issue with not being able to back up to iCloud, you know, I thought about restoring but it just the thought of going through that just ugh. and and if you go to like setting like if you go to settings general usage battery usage like none of it looks like no app is like using a ton of battery life so it just seems like it's the same as it's always been it's just the battery holds way less right and you know like the the stuff that's at the top of the list is typically like safari um Tweetbot, Overcast, like the stuff that I use all the time. So it's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah. But okay. none of it's like 50%. It's all like nine. Well, That's... like so Safari for me, like in the last 24 hours is 31%. Yikes. Um, in the last set, well, in the last seven days, it's 17%. Mm -hmm. So kind of averages out, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there's nothing on like, yeah. So in the last seven days, which is probably the better measure, really Safari, 17%, Tweetbot, 12%, home and lock screen, 12%, overcast, 10%, you know, yeah. that's, that all, that all seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. Just a bummer. And again, and again, not to go back to the iPhone, but I, I, ugh, I'm, I'm, the, the bug is back in my brain of whether or not a six plus seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I've. Ugh. It's not. It's not because again, every time I do it, I just I borrow a coworker's iPhone six plus, and it, my thumb can't reach the other side of the keyboard. So here, here's what I'm worried about. So my or what what I've not really worried about, but thinking about is, I've I've said to myself like, well, you know, try the the six S plus, right? Because I'll I'll upgrade to the seven a year later. So if I really end up not liking that screen size. That's a whole year, man. Well, but here's here's the bigger issue, I think, is I think after using that phone for a year, even if you didn't love the bigger screen size, it would be hard to go back to a smaller screen size. Like, if that, does that make sense? 
It does, much in the same way that I thought the the, the 4.7-inch screen on the 6 was too big, and I would still prefer the 5S screen size, but now I can't go back to the 5. But I think it wouldn't... I don't think that would be the case on the 6 Plus. I think you'd hate it too fast. Yeah. Just because, I, like, I, like, Jason Snell, a friend of the, sh- a friend of the show... Uh, he he went in with like an open heart and open mind, and he he still didn't like it at in the end because the impracticalities outweighed the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I don't think I'm gonna go with the bigger phone, but, but uh, the battery life. Nah, see that that would I wouldn't do it for that because I again I, I'm and when I'm at work I I'm always have my phone plugged in so. Even though the battery life has gone to crap on my phone too, it's it's not usually an issue. Sure. Like I, and I, I say that I say that as I'm about to not be at work for the next three weeks, and the battery the battery life is probably going to be a huge issue. Sure. Um, God, I hope I hope roaming on other networks doesn't <laughs> doesn't further no adversely affect the battery. I guess it probably no. wouldn't, right? No. Only if you're in Rome. <laughs> right. The joke works better the second time. Yeah, uh, definitely. I don't think anybody will remember an hour and a half later. No, we'll we'll cut we'll cut that together somehow. <laughs> okay. Back to Apple TV. So back to Apple TV for for a third time, for for real this time. So again, I was asking what what is the prevailing rumor? I haven't even paid attention to these because I, I I don't really care. So it, it seems it seems like the big things are going to be a new UI, uh, faster UI, third party app support, a new remote, um, which will presumably have some form of like Siri integration, probably some type of like touchpad. Um. Yeah. Um. That those those seem to be the the big things. Um. So, do you know much about what's what's the deal with? Uh, apparently, there's Apple TV the box, and allegedly something I haven't paid a lot of attention to. There's supposed to be Apple TV the service. Yeah. So that I guess Apple has been in talks with some of the major networks to offer some type of package, something like fifteen twenty channels. That's going to cost. I think the rumor's been around fifty dollars a month. Um, and the hope has been that they were going to announce that at the same time as the new hardware, but I guess that's not the case and that Apple's going to need until at least sometime next year to kind of finalize that service. So we're, we're going to get the new box in a couple of weeks, but the service will become at some later date, um, which for me is fine because that it's that service really in no way sounds compelling. Um, because there's no way it would have like the local Comcast sports channels. It probably wouldn't. Well, it probably wouldn't have any sort of like DVR functionality. Wouldn't have any live sports. You, you know, it, none, of, none of the stuff that I really care about. It eliminates the only reason to actually have a video subscription. Exactly. Like for me, I don't come to the Apple TV to replace my cable service. I come to Apple TV for things like AirPlay, Netflix, HBO Go. So, you know, as long as the Apple TV continues to do that, that's what I'm looking for. And if you throw in things like third-party apps and a new remote control, great. Sure. Which will have Bluetooth. It has to have Bluetooth. It has to have Bluetooth, I would think. Um, So here's an interesting... I was talking to a coworker about this a couple days ago. He's kind of a fellow Apple geek. Um, What do you think they're going to do with pricing on this thing? Like, this, this thing can't be more than $100, right? Depends on how good it is. See, that's, I, to me, so to me, I think $100 feels too low for a new Apple product. Like that, I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised if it, if it were that price. But at the same time, I'd be more surprised if it was, if, if, if it was more than that, because it just feels like the price of these types of boxes has been set 
kind of around at that $100 price. So, but again, it depends on how much better it is. If, if it's faster, if it gets a Bluetooth remote, if it does something substantially better, I think they can definitely go back up to the $99 price point if it's substantially better. And again, I'm not really sure what that would actually even mean. Um, it could probably creep up to 150 But like again, now that it's already $69 and it's competing with all these little... I know they're not even the same type of thing, but like Chromecast and the Amazon Fire TV stick that are like $39 a piece. I And, and Roku has a, like an entry-level model. It's like 50 bucks, right? Right. Yeah, I think it's tough if they want to charge like three times as much for something, but I'm not really sure what they would do better. Because most everything we've talked about is stuff that the current one does, and that it's mostly software improvements except for potentially a better remote but that doesn't some that doesn't necessitate the price doubling i mean unless i mean unless the remote is like really crazy but it can't be cuz that's anti, that's against apple well crazy in the sense that it's very technologically sophisticated but how would it be i don't know because again like they can go nuts like remember the the sony uh google tv remote uh oh yeah the one that looked like an Xbox controller. Yeah, of... yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> ninety-eight dollars. Um, see, that, that, that's the like, one of the really interesting things with the with the remote, which we've talked about before. Which is, I presumably, you know, when you allow third-party apps and games are going to be a major category. That just seems like every other app store that's come out, games just inevitably become a big part of it. And I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you solve for that on Apple TV because you, I don't think you can make a remote that's focused on games and i don't really think you can expect people to have a six hundred dollar or you know four to eight hundred dollar tablet as a prerequisite to play games on your hundred to hundred and fifty dollar box well i don't think games will be a part of it or i I think they have to be i I think if you're going to allow third-party apps games inevitably are going to be a big part of it I'm not, I'm not terribly sure about that. I, I would hope not because I think the – because Amazon ran into the same issue when they originally made their Amazon um, Fire TV box. They sold separately. Like they had they had very limited game support right out of the box. But if you wanted to do anything substantial with it, which didn't actually mean a whole lot, you had to buy a separate remote control or, or a game controller for it for like an extra 40 bucks, And that was still an underwhelming experience. But I think with Apple stuff, I do think they can get away with saying, yes, using uh, an iPhone or an iPad is a necessary input device. So I, I don't know, but I also don't think games are going to be a priority for this. I, I'd i be willing to bet you a dollar that games will be a prominent part of the presentation. If they are, then I think that's... Yeah, I just don't think that'll pan out that way. Hmm. Like they 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 might suggest that that will be like a use case for it, but it just won't. That's not the way that the people will use it. Hmm. Because again, there's no way it's going to compete with like an Xbox One or a PS4 or any of that kind of stuff. So where does it fit? Mm, like, should yeah, they just I be encouraging know. people to make AirPlay compatible games or games that are more like maybe there's some functionality that makes the Apple TV like have less latency when you're streaming it from uh, an iOS device. I just don't see the whole point of that. I think third-party apps means more content sources can put their stuff on Apple TV quicker, 
without needing like some weird funky secret handshake with Apple to get them to force uh like your channel on everybody's Apple TV. So yeah, I, I don't see gaming being a big part of it at all. And I do not ever think Apple would ever come out with something that is primarily a game controller. Yeah, I don't think so either. And if if they're going to make some fancier, funky remote with that, I sh- I think that would make it worse at everything else. So I don't think they would do that either. Agreed. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I, I'm interested in what this new Apple TV is going to be. But like we've talked about at length, I, I feel like I'm just not as excited about it as a lot of people are. All, all I want is a faster Apple TV with a Bluetooth remote that has not an app store, but just that I can get more apps for that I actually want. Not just random video sources that they partnered with that now appear on my Apple TV and I have to disable it. Yeah, I, I think that would be, that'd be a pretty neat product. And then that should sell for 129 That Yeah, that, that, feels, that feels about right. That they think if we had that, to, that's good stylus territory. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Well, I think I think that about that about does it, right? I think so. Do you want to talk about Amazon some more? No, oh, no. Okay. I didn't. I did enjoy the um the the Onion article. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. All right, so um. Yeah, three three weeks. Big big break here. Summer summer recess. Sure. We'll do an emergency episode if uh, there is an actual Apple TV set. That's the only circumstance where we'll do it. We would if there is a real Apple TV set, uh I we will well, You will pay I'll, the roaming rates. Well I'll um I'll I have Skype on on my phone. I think I've got some Skype credit saved up somewhere and we'll uh we'll make that happen. I, I think your trip is safe. Yeah, I think so.